has been paid for by the New World Order. You are now listening to Lucha Outsider Show, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. At Lucha Outsiders, everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Lucha Outsider Show. This is how it feels to fuck on cocaine. Yeah. I was told to keep it short, so yeah, I'm leaving this market. Have no fear. The sports. Entertainers are here. I am the heel, the seal, the deal, the villain, the stage chill, the anti-hero of the IWC. Your boy, Mr. Rated R. And our third man on the broadcast team, Leo. We have a third man? It's not Ryan. No. It's Brady from the Heel Marks. I do have guns here. I do have guns here. Oh, we have guns? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It works. We got the drop. We got the drop. We're back. Making Brady feel at home. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We are here. We are live, live. Live in studio. A yeah. little bit late. Yeah. The transition to being in studio hasn't been, yeah. um, what's the word I'm looking for, Leo? Uh, transitioning. <laughs> the transition hasn't been easy. Smooth. But Leo, yeah. it hasn't been flawless. No, no, no. Kind of like AEW's booking at times. But anyways, okay. uh, Leo, how are you, bro? I'm okay. I just don't have Tony Khan's money, but hey, we're here. <laughs> but, but listen, let me tell you something. Even Dude. though you don't have Tony Khan's money, yeah. the studio's looking great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. By the way, Love Brady shirt. One of the best shows ever. Oh, yeah. All that. All that. Mm-hmm. All that's a classic, man. All oh. that. <laughs> Nick was at its prime time back then. I know, man. Nickelodeon was something else back in that era. But you know who I had a crush on? Uh, Alex Mack. Anyone remember the secret world of Alex Mack? Yes. Yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. You know who yeah, yeah. Ha- I had a crush on? Um, she was in all that. Uh, I can't think the of The little one who did yeah. Ross Perot or the Spanish one who was a little taller? The Spanish one. The Spanish You like La Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who she you was like? On a morning Hell. Show called one world. <laughs> what, what was that, Brady? I think she was on a morning show, like a TNBC show called One World. So about that Spanish. Kids of all different races that were adopted together. Well, if that Spanish chick. Ended up, and I can't think of her name right now. But that Spanish chick ended up something Ramos. She ended up. She ended up. That's not um, racist. She ended up. Um, I think being like a radio personality, like for like a a Playboy radio station or or something like that. Nice. He's looking it up. Yeah, Bray's looking it up as we speak. Well, no, because I because I said Ramos and I'm standing by it. I do. All right, I was close, man. It's Alyssa Reyes. (laughs) Reyes. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> Brady, how are you, bro? Always good and and trying not to be racist. <laughs> well, listen, at least at least you're not like um former Lucha Outsiders um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like people that used to be on the show that you would, that would call you the Hard J. Contributor. Oh, the Hard J, man. I was just thinking about that Hard J the other day. <laughs> What a hard J. You remember that, Leo? No, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck you mean, hard J? Wow, man. Everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a hard J right there. Ugh. Yeah. 
Yeah, a hard J. That's what that's what happens when you're when you're a bad Jew, man. Because all the people assume that you you don't really give a shit, man. Oh my god. So fuck it. It's like whoa. Whoa, whoa. No, no. Hard J. Hard J. All right. <clears throat> so Brady, thank you so much for um, you know do you know pulling in doing this audible because Ryan unfortunately couldn't make it uh, for today's show. Hey, man, I always love coming on the Lucha Outsider Show. Anytime you guys call, I am there and ready to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. All right. So before we get started, give me a minute because it's hashtag. To the mic, to the mic. Rebel time. Oh, that sounded so good. Got to love the soundproof room. Mm. <laughs> that tasted great. All right, Brian. Um, I was going to call Brian. him Brian. I don't know Brian. why. Brian. Brian, Brian. Cage. No. <laughs> Brady. Brady. All right, we were talking off air just now. We're talking about Grand Slam or whatever. Unfortunately, this year I did not go. Everybody and their mother was messaging me. And listen, I got to throw this out, this rule out there because this is pissing me off when people do this. Unless you know the person is actually watching the show, like you know, don't hit them up. Don't text them. Don't message them like, hey, did you just don't message them. First ask, hey, are you watching so-and-so? Don't just randomly messaging them with spoilers. What's wrong with you people? I do. I 100% agree with you. I will say so. And this is why I think, because it happens to me also, and, and it's always been a thing where you have to kind of like let people know in advance, like, or, or just fucking know certain people to ignore their fucking texts. Like at I do moments. that too. I ignore messages sometimes. If I see somebody yep. texting me a certain person, I'm like, oh, I know that's motherfuckers about to fuck shit up. I'm not even right. looking. Right, right. Right. But I, I do think that because we host wrestling podcasts, because we are who we are in this industry, okay. people do kind of assume, oh, of course he's watching it. With that said, I 100% agree with you. Like, ask me first. It's a Wednesday night. You don't know what the fuck I'm doing, man. You don't know what life is throwing my way. Right. I, you know, say, yo, did you see that? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, uh, if, if you want to say something like, like somebody, for example, if you wanted to respond to the, Jericho Cesaro match from Friday with something like Jericho is the goat and just leave it at that. That's clean. That's clean. That's very clean. Clean. He could have lost. He could have won. It doesn't matter. And still be the goat. That's fine. And I'm saying that because I actually texted that to somebody. No, but I do. Now that you mentioned that, I guess because we're part of this, uh, this, you know, wrestling community and we do what we do. I kind of understand. Right. And th that's still not giving people no, that do this a pass. pass. But I kind of get what you're saying by that. But right. it's like, listen, I work 90% of my day, Monday, Friday's work. Okay. That's what I do. I Nine times out of 10, I am not watching wrestling live unless I'm at the show or it's like a weekend show. So it's like, don't message me shit. Don't. Do that. I stay. I purposely stay away from social media, and sometimes I avoid messages because I don't want some fucking peckerhead to fucking right. spoil something to me. You know what I'm saying? Spoilers, bro, we live in the world of spoilers, where people just like they don't give a fuck. They they really don't. And I don't know if it's just because they assume that you, if you're not watching it, you better just stay off your phone. Which or... I do. Which I fucking do. Right, but like we shouldn't have to, you know what I'm saying? Like, like have some self control, people. But you um, know, so the flip side of that too is like you know, I, and I'm sure you've gotten this, Brady. I'm sure because you're, you're, you post. Like, I need to get to your levels of posting when it comes to like the heel marks page. Like, I'm not there yet because I just 
have but so we don't shit. pull spoilers we, 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 we're, right we're but i'm that. sure that you've gotten like wow i can't believe you spoiled this for me i haven't even watched it yet. i'm like it's different when i'm posting something on my page about something that just happened now whether i choose not to do that or not because i haven't watched it that's on me but if i'm watching something that's live and i'm posting it you're gonna get pissed off at my page because right. I post it. Why don't you just stay off social media if you don't want to get spoiled? So here, here's what's funny. I completely agree with you. Um, and, and when we first started the Heel Marks, that was kind of my mindset where we are, you know, like, like, I, like I like to say, we, we, became, we had to become the internet when people wait for the internet to post things or the internet killed it with this one. We had to become the internet. And part of that, especially in the wrestling world uh, is, you know, posting the news, something breaking happens. You post it right there. It's a headline. It's yeah. not a spoiler. It's a headline. Right. However, because of the fact that Danielle, and I agree with her, but because Danielle hates pages that spoil and hates spoilers and all that shit, Danielle was really in the beginning. Like I, I think I did spoil some stuff early. I forget what it was, but nobody knew who the fuck we were when I was doing it. But she saw it, and I think it's so funny. Danielle would tell me, everybody is yelling at us for spoiling. We're losing followers. I'm like, who the fuck are you talking about? She's like, Matt and Matt's friends. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because oh, at this point, man. we had like 20 followers. I'm like, who, who are we losing? What the fuck are you talking about? We didn't even get started yet. Right. And so, so really early on, Danielle was harsh on me about the spoilers. So I just kind of have always respected it where if I'm, something big happens, I'll wait till the next day. You might catch me posting spots from a match when it happens. <clears throat> like the fucking Bobby Lashley spearing Seth Rollins, but him countering it into a pedigree. Right. I posted that shit as soon as it happened because there's no pinfall. There's there's no finish. You don't care if you see that spot, so it's fine. But but even if you was to say something like, okay, let's say, boom, Raw happened, and let's say by 11 o'clock you decided, like, yo, Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley had a fucking amazing match, even in defeat, like, it takes nothing away from Rollins or whatever. To me, I don't consider that a spoiler if it happened live. You know what I'm saying? It's like, let's say, which it's rare that people do this, but let's say if someone doesn't watch a game live, right? And for whatever reason, they're going to watch it when they get home, which it's very rare that people do this or whatever. My dad does this all the time, bro. My dad will stop a football game while he's cooking and pick it up an hour later. Okay, so he's part of of that minority. So let's say if that person goes out of its – that person's way to, like, avoid spoilers or whatever because they really want to watch this game, and they finally do. But – for whatever reason, during the game, he just this person decides to scroll on his like phone, or he gets like an alert saying like, "Oh, this team beat the other team." Is that considered a spoiler? No, it's not considered a spoiler. You get what I'm trying to say? It's like it's different when something's like taped. Like let's say Rampage, right? Rampage was taped, and let's say because there was plenty of accounts who were doing that, posting the spoils of Rampage. Why? I, I understand it was happening live, but it's live to tape, so you don't get to watch it on Friday. So here's the thing. I do kind of like I agree with you a bit where you're trying to divide the line between sports and like live because sports, once again, because kind of goes in the news category. Right. Whereas television and all those kind of things are entertainment. And with that comes the fact that it's 2022, you know, fucking DVR, TiVo, whatever you call it, that whole on demand things. Bro, most of these TV shows that I watch. Right. I, don't, I couldn't tell you the network that they actually air on. I couldn't tell you the day because I watch it on Hulu. Right. The- day or whenever i'm able to watch it and so 
like if if Stranger Things or Cobra Kai drop, a lot of times maybe I'm not watching it as soon as it gets there. But then very quickly I'm like, actually, I fucking need to because motherfuckers. Yeah, are they're gonna get they're gonna spoil. Yeah, they're gonna spoil it. Right. So you have. Kind of like, I feel like when it comes to like shows, you have like about a good week if you're lucky before. If you're lucky, if if you're you're lucky, lucky. before spoilers start coming out like out of the woodwork. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it's like. Another example. There's this account that decided to post something that happened in an impact taping, right? It was like and, and not a live show, meaning like like not like one of these pay-per-views or like a live show. It was like the following night when they're just taping weeks of TV and they decided to put a spoiler. No spoiler headline, nothing. They're like, so and so showed up on impact or whatever, right? It's like no, if you're gonna do that, at least put like, hey, spoiler alert and do something. Don't just post it like it's fucking news. Don't be a jerk off like that. So my my reality TV show Guilty Pleasure, the one reality show I really watch, have always watched it is MTV's The Challenge. Right? I love that show. I mean, I haven't watched it in in, in years, but I did. I was a diehard fan of that show. Yeah, no, dope ass show. Um, and so it's funny because like with that one and the 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 world, like that whole challenge fandom reminds me of wrestling sometimes it's similar and obviously there's some crossovers with the miz and you know people like that in there johnny bananas should really be a wrestler bro he's he no, had, it's so crazy he should be a wrestler that's my guy too <laughs> i love going back and watching i think his last season was inferno two or three one of them i think it was two uh, he won with actress jamie chung if anybody knows jamie chung she used to be on the real world and she was on the challenge and him and her won together along with other people obviously but it, it's that whole season is fun because he was everyone's wearing his t-shirt like the Miz and I think at this point WWE was talking to him so he kind of he saw this is like his last ride he's gonna go out on top and then become a wrestler but it was just it was so cool because everyone was saying his catchphrases and stuff like that mm-hmm. it, was, it was a lot of support he was getting from the cast back then yeah, but I, yeah back to the challenge fandom there will be like challenge spoiler accounts that people will follow solely because they want to be spoiled. They want to know who's getting eliminated. They want to know who's winning before the show even starts airing. Right. Like that's a thing. And so I wonder if like, I've never seen them, but I'm sure like some of these accounts probably pride themselves as wrestling spoiler accounts. The number one spoiler account, follow us to find out what happened before you get to watch it. I don't know how, what a big demand there is for that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who knows? But yeah, nonetheless, this whole, this whole, like just down the well of like spoiling shit just goes, it just goes back to my original point. Like, listen, unless you know the person's at the show, like at the show, or you know, for certain they're watching it, then message them. And don't be a dick about it. Like, Oh my God, so and so just won. No, just be like, did you just watch that? Like, hey, are you watching XYZ? Don't just put shit out there without you even knowing if this person's watching. Don't be a dick. So how many things got spoiled for you? Just one thing got spoiled for me. And that was and I mean I was I was happy of the outcome, but I'm like, I wish I could have really appreciated watching it live. And that was uh well not live, but watching it when I Ended up watching, and that was uh, my guy Chris Jericho getting the Ocho. And Brady. Okay, you're there. You're there, Brady, right? Okay. okay. So now that's actually fucked up 
because correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't that on Rampage? No, no, no. That was on that was on Dynamite. That was on Dynamite. Oh, I'm here? Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good. That was on Dynamite. Oh, it was on Dynamite. Yeah, it was on Dynamite. Oh, that's right. It was the show opener. It was the show opener. Yo, and, and the thing is, like, why and and by the way, the person that spoiled it, I, I love I love him. All right. So like if you're listening to this or hearing this, like and this goes <laughs> If you're don't feel bad, okay? But at the same time, it's like let's put a little bit more thought into before we do dumb shit. Like, don't be a dick and like ruin shit for somebody if you don't know if they're watching it. I don't watch wrestling live nine times out of ten, especially during the week, like Raws or and and Dynamites. And if I end up watching SmackDown, I don't watch these shows live, but I purposely stay away from spoilers because I don't want to get spoiled. Like I take the initiative, something I have to do. I don't go on my phone. I don't I don't go on social media, right? Right. And it's like come on, man. Don't be a dick. That's a big one too. That's a And big and one. and that's one. It's funny cuz like and you know, we'll we'll transition after this, but like I was since last week when we got the announcement of Jericho and and Claudio for the ROH World Title, I've been on this tirade saying like, listen, I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, but this is the way to go. The way to go is Jericho getting the Ocho. Like, that's the direction we need to go. And um, a lot of people didn't like that. And I personally, I'm, I like the fact that a lot of people don't like it. Because I just like seeing people all upset and bent out of shape. But that was the way to go, man. I get it, okay? And I don't disagree with putting the belt on Jericho. I do think this the Ocho. I think him with the Ring of Honor Championship, especially if he's sticking with the whole sports entertainer. Like, the whole sports entertainer god holding the ring of honor championship and let's be real i think with jericho as champion we're probably saying goodbye to the code of honor for a while oh absolutely one thousand percent one thousand percent so so that's definitely a you know like that's i love that and i love that narrative and that direction we can take it and where he can take it and and whoever does take the title from him um my early guess if i had to put a guess right now would probably say daniel garcia Maybe Daniel Garcia is the one to take the art. Maybe, maybe I'm reaching, but whoever does, what? No, no, no. I'm, I love the fact that you're like, maybe I'm reaching here. Maybe I'm reaching, but whoever does take it, it's going to get a big rub. They're going to do it properly. Here's my problem. And for the record, it's, it's more of a problem that I already had because I saw this shit coming a mile away. This was my problem with Cesaro winning the Ring of Honor Championship in the fucking first place, which I didn't agree with. I understand Gresham was wanted out you had to put it on somebody but they tried selling it to us as like cesaro finally won a world championship no he fucking didn't he's been in your company i think i, I was on your show actually right when it fucking you know happened. what hold on so you know it's funny that you mentioning all this and i'm gonna let you finish but like yes i'm gonna let you finish but uh <laughs> taylor swift no no, <laughs> no but yesterday when i reached out to you i'm like hey dude can you do me a solid today um, Ryan can't make it. Can you can you fill in? And you said, yeah, no problem, whatever. And I was like, man, the funny thing is, like, because I knew we were gonna like discuss this, you know, Jericho winning the Ring of Honor title, like a good and in good detail. But then I'm thinking, like, the last time Brady was here was after after Death Before Dishonor, which was right. another Ring of Honor heavy episode. So I'm thinking, like, man, what a perfect episode because I really want to because I have a lot of things to say about this too. So, um, go ahead. You can finish. I just wanted to throw that in there. I, I was just—I was getting the fucking deja vu. Also. Yeah. I'm like, I was talking about this with Mario last time too. Same fucking shit. 
because I was like, he just got here. There was no story built up. They just gave us the match. Match was great, but now that's the moment we've been waiting years for. So the Jerry all of a sudden stars the world champion. That still gives us no idea of how you view this man, how you're going to use this man. And here, now we're getting it. However many months later, this is it. And for me, it's a fucking, it's a different guy saying bullshit. With, 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 you know, I don't think Tony Khan looks at Cesaro as a star. Does Tony Khan recognize Cesaro as one of the best wrestlers in the world? Fuck yeah. You can't be a wrestling fan and not recognize that. But fucking Tony Khan, just like Vince, is obsessed with ratings. And, and, and so there's no world in which Cesaro is going to get the ratings. He'll get the reactions from the crowd. He'll get the stars. But unfortunately, because of however this fucking flawed Nielsen system works, no, the ratings are not going to jump for Cesaro compared to an MJF. You know what I mean? That's just the world we live in. Eventually, Cesaro will become AEW world champion. It will because it will be solely because the fans decide to get behind him, similar to the way they got behind Hangman, similar to the way they got behind the acclaimed. Yep. The fans will eventually make Cesaro get his championship. I think it will happen. But Tony tried pissing on us and telling it was raining by selling us that Cesaro was a world champion because you don't, this is how he views him. This is how he views him. They got the prop off him so Jericho can tell us a story. But you know, okay, so I talked about this last week with Ryan. I'm going to mention it again with you. This this whole, I'm happy Claudio got that achievement at Death Before Dishonor becoming a, look, look, look at my face, world champion, okay? I'm, I'm glad that Claudio got that achievement. But here's the problem. The representation, the representation of Ring of Honor on AEW programming feels lesser than ever. Everything. The titles don't matter. The Ring of Honor World Championship does, doesn't matter. Because like I said last week, if the Ring of Honor World Championship mattered, then why was Claudio not defending that championship at all out? And no, he was part of a ladder match to be a contender for another world title. So it's like if... if why he should be, he should have been defending that world title on the pay per view instead of being part of this ladder match. The problem is Tony bought Ring of Honor and... He hasn't really done much with it. Like, yes, it still exists within the AEW universe, but they, there's no there's no TV deal. There's a TV champion, but no TV deal. The the way pre the the presentation of Ring of Honor, unfortunately, is it feels lesser than now with Chris Jericho winning the Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor World Title. I feel this is going to probably do more good than anything because now it's like okay, now I care about the Ring of Honor World Title because now Jericho has it. So I get that. Uh, and, and, and as I said, I think right now, Ring of Honor is essentially NXT without a time slot. I don't but even think NXT, it's NXT. The, that's, how, that's, how, that's how bad I think I'm the Ring of Honor presentation. I don't even think brand. it's NXT. In, in terms of it just being a separate brand, it's like if NXT didn't have the time slot and they just you saw an NXT match once every Raw or once every SmackDown, you know, just peppered in on superstars or whatever Wednesday show, you know, whatever. Right. Like, that's what it feels like, where every once in a while they want to remind you Ring of Honor exists. But it's like, you know, they really haven't done anything with it. They got a TV champion who's never on TV. You know what I mean? Like, like, what are they doing really? I think Cesaro would have been and should have been. Point. 
and I know I'm kind of jumping, but you see how Moxley, uh, I don't know if you saw the match announced for next week. Moxley's Mo- and Juice Robinson. Yeah, my guy Juice. Juice the AEW Eliminator. This is what Moxley does when he's champion. He immediately starts getting more matches yes. than he's ever had. He'll go on every fucking show you have. If it's not a title match, it's an Eliminator match. That's how that's how it works. And he just he gets all these type of people on the radar with just having great matches with them who wouldn't have championship qualifiers otherwise. I think Cesaro should have and could have done that easily. Instead, he was defending the Ring of Honor world title. This is, like I said, there's no disrespect to the guy, but he was defending it against Davari on Dark. Come on, man. Like, right. really? Here's right. another hot take. Here's another hot take. Jonathan Grisham as Ring of Honor world title, the title actually meant more than when Claudio had it. Because when right. Jonathan Grisham was, when he was still champion, he was defending it in a whole bunch of different promotions. GCW, right. Impact Wrestling, Progress Wrestling, The Independence. He was de- defending that title everywhere. Yeah. And, and he was trying to restore the glory to it because he stood for wrestling, which is what Ring of Honor stood for. And so now, and this is kind of, I guess, against your point, as much as I'm going to enjoy what Jericho does with this, it does kind of just become a vehicle for storytelling, which is not what the Ring of Honor championship um, represents. And because... You got it from Gresham, who essentially was kind of ignored by AEW until he left AEW. Yep. From him to Cesaro, who, as you said, his defenses and his matches didn't really restore the glory. It didn't put the championship back on the map. It was kind of just cool to see Cesaro as a fellow world champion. But he wasn't even the world champion of his stable because Moxley had the AEW championship for most of the run. You feel me? So it's just it, – and now, as I said, it's a vehicle for storytelling. It's a prop, and AEW is using it that way. And the Jericho – it's going to be a great prop for the Jericho Appreciation Society and this Jericho Garcia and that story. Mm-hmm. Maybe Danielson challenges Jericho for the title. That would probably be where I go with I, it. I think, I think that's the main event for Final Battle. Right. So so there's going to be great things to come from this. I just don't think now's the time. I think there was an objective that they had to do before you can start doing the belt, and that is restore a bit of glory. And they could have done with that with Cesaro in terms of also making his world champion, making him feel like a world champion. Cesaro's good enough that if you give him the right dance partners every week, he would outshine anyone. And right. he would make people look at his belt as the world championship, similar to how on the WWE side, we're seeing Gunther and Sheamus and the work they've done with the Intercontinental Championship. We're seeing that raise that belt when Roman Reigns doesn't always go on every show. He's not always defending it. We're kind of looking at that belt not being defended until November for Saudi Arabia. So right now, because of the great work Gunther and Sheamus have done, that belt, the Intercontinental Championship belt, is essentially the A championship. And I think someone like Cesaro with the talent pool in AEW, Ring of Honor, NJPW, whoever they're grabbing talent from, they could have given him great dance partners and made great matches to the point where you would have been looking at him at as, as a true world champion to the point where when Jericho takes it from him, oh, man, he lost something. And he won it with a low blow. So, oh, man, Jericho stole it from him. You could have gotten that moment of Cesaro truly being defeated because of how much that title meant to him. We didn't get shit. We didn't get any of that because that's not the story they're telling. Yeah, man, it's unfortunate because 
I just look at what Grisham did at Final Battle because I was there, and then we got the unification match between him and Bandito at Supercard, which essentially was like the the last era of Ring of Honor, and then opening the new era of Ring of Honor, right? And it's like, unfortunately, and this is not on Claudio. This is not. It's just like kind of what you said. The dance partners they put on, they 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 gave them, and then also. The, the lack of story. There was no story. Then I get, I get people are going to be like, well, Ring of Honor doesn't have a TV deal. That's not the point. Tony owns Ring of Honor, so he could showcase Claudio in World Championship Eliminator matches on Dynamite and Rampage instead of having him defend the title against Davari on Dark. Right. And and, and as as to that point in terms of and when Cesaro came in, if you got it in your mind, okay, I want to make this guy a world champion – isn't that worth telling a story? Isn't he's an AEW talent? He signed with you for AEW. Tell that story. Tell a story of him becoming world champion. Then he does. And then what are you going to do with that? And, and but that was my main complaint when it happened. I saw this shit a mile away. Is there was no story. There was no building to it. He just he, so Tony Khan. And I like a lot of what they do. AEW. Oh, of course. Which Listen, we're us criticizing. Us criticizing certain things doesn't mean doesn't mean that we're we're shitting on them, want them to fail. We're just giving critiques. This is what we do here. But like this, this is a big critique for me. Where he's obsessed with moments. He's obsessed with. And listen, I I love live crowd reactions. But is it just me or does AEW feel like sometimes they go to three fucking places? They're in Chicago, they're in Ohio, or they're in New York. I know there's other places, but it always kind of feels like every like once a month. They go to those places. They're, we're going to be in Ohio again now. I thought we were just there, and so with these crowds, you know what you're, you know what you're going to get, and so so at all out, Tony Khan made a mistake. I think it was a mistake, and I hated that it was happening, and I love it now. But I thought it was a mistake to go ahead and just out of nowhere make the acclaimed number, put them number of contenders, and put them against Keith Lee and Swerve. Why? Because you just put the belts on Keith Lee and Swerve. Why did you do it? Because when Keith Lee and Swerve came together, they were so cool and so good and it meshed well and they got so over that you were like, fuck yeah, let's ride with this. So why put them against the most over team there? The acclaim could have remained over elsewhere on the card. It would have been elevating them. You get the belts on a heel tag team like I probably would have gone with... um, I don't know what they call themselves now, formerly known as 2.0. I know they're going by their solo names, but I don't know if they have a tag team name. Yeah, Matt Matt Menard and um uh, Angela Parker. That that right. that would have been a I, I would have definitely enjoyed that. Because, and for anyone saying, wow, they couldn't beat Swerve and Keith Lee. Or yes, you know they- what? Make it listen, and, and I know this is gonna be sound repetitive, but just to add on to what you're saying, right? You, you could have still kept it, you could have still kept the acclaim and just make it a three-way and just throw 2.0 in there, and then you have sympathy for the claim. 2.0 do something dastardly to fucking steal the titles and right. walk away with them. And then necessarily Swerve and Keith Lee could still, you don't, right. they don't automatically turn heel right away by, by right. nature, just how, how over the claim is. And you further tell the Kobe Bryant Shaq story between Keith Lee and Swerve. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree with that, that they should have, because if you're going to, put the title on the acclaim here, mm-hmm. then yeah, they put it, should have put a third tag team in that way. You're not jeopardizing right. how over right. and the direction for those guys. Right. Now they kind of have, their hands are tied mm-hmm. and they have to rush into the split. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I thought it was a mistake to even make that first match at All Out because I saw that shit a mile away. Like, what are you doing? And AEW loves this shit. They love putting babyface against babyface for whatever reason. And then they get shocked that the fans don't do dueling chants. Shocked that the fans don't chant both these guys. No, man. They're going to fucking make a choice. And that choice is going to carry on for the next few weeks. And you've just turned someone heel that really didn't need to be that. Uh, Swerve and Keith Lee were killing it as tag champs and never got a chance to fly. They never got a chance to really run with him. And watch that fucking press conference again where with those disrespectful ass press people asking about audibles and shit to your in-character kayfabe tag team champion celebrating a victory and watch Tony Khan fumble the ball by making the audible right then and there and essentially announcing, okay, yeah, you're right. I did think I should have put the belt on him, which is why I'm going to do it at Grand Slam. And he does it right next to Swerve and Keith Lee and they have to stare at him like, what? that's really how you feel? That's how, so, so you want like Swerve even says it. So you want them to win, huh? Okay, like it's, it was disrespectful. It was dumb, and it, I, I just think they rushed that. I think it was it was a missed time. To add on to what you're saying, to add on to what you're saying about you saying Swerve, they didn't let Swerve and Keith Lee like really fly as tag teams. Also, look at the what they were doing weeks prior to even all out. They were feuding with Josh Woods and Tony Nese. Nobody gives a shit about those two guys. No disrespect to them, but it's like you put the tag titles on Keith Lee and Swerve, but you did nothing with them as champions that people cared about. Fucking Josh Woods and fucking Tony Nese. Like, come on, man. You don't do that. You just crowned these tag champions, which came out of nowhere because everybody thought that the direction was going to be Bucks and FTR and all out. They didn't do that. Then you stick FTR, which arguably are the number one tag team of this year, and you have them in a random six-man at all out. What the fuck? Yeah, and so off the top of my head, in terms of over heel tag teams who could put on programs, be believable challengers, but get defeated ultimately by Swerve and Our Glory. I've already said 2.0, they could have easily, and, and when I say they're a believable contender, they're in a stable now, heel stable, which means they're always a contender because there's always gonna be somebody watching their back, always foul play. So, and you see Keith Lee, whenever Swerve tries to cheat, he doesn't like that. Mm -hmm. So there's always little things you could play with. Ass boys, ass boys easily should have been challengers. They're heels. All you got to do is attack a babyface champion and you get a title match. Everybody knows that. It's heel 101. So the ass boys could have been great challengers for them. And they're in a new sta uh, heel stable as well. The firm. Yep. Uh, I believe Death Triangle. I, I don't know if they're fully going heel. I think I think we saw Pac. I think Pac is, Pac is teasing a heel turn just for his, you know, because he's a bastard. But the Lucha right. Brothers are so beloved. So it's very hard to boo them. You think so? You so you think Lucha Brothers going up against Keith Swerve and Our Glory wouldn't because I feel like Swerve and Our Glory they did. Don't you remember they had the match after they won the trios titles and the fans right. were going nuts for the Lucha Brothers? But I don't remember them going. I don't remember them like booing Swerve and Our no, Glory. No, they weren't booing them. They weren't. It was. It was more. I feel like it was maybe like sixty mm, forty. Where okay. where you didn't really hear much booze or not probably no booze at all for Swerve and Our Glory. Right. But like, you know, you have the acclaim, which are the most over tag team with their shtick. Yeah. So it's like it's gonna be hard to boo that. So and, and then so skip to the acclaim and we're gonna talk about my reaction to it and like the because I was there live and that fucking crowd blew the roof up and it was fucking cool. It was. But 
it didn't take not and and for the record live at grand slam they didn't actually show a lot of the backstage interviews we didn't actually get to see it okay so okay like as soon as the claim won a title they go backstage to ftr getting interviewed we don't see that so i didn't see that until i watched the show like another day um and it looks like FTR has issued the challenge. They're number one contenders. They're issuing the challenge to the acclaimed. Ass Boys are challenging yep. FTR. So if the Ass Boys, maybe with the help of the firm, can beat FTR, then I think we get the feud that I'd love to see, Ass Boys versus acclaimed again, this time with titles on the line. I'd be okay with that. But this is AEW, and they're scaring the shit at me lately. And with FTR already calling out the acclaimed, I'm just sitting there like face palming. Like, what is wrong with you? Let your face champions breathe before you put another super over and highly respected tag team against them. I don't think like, and it's not that I think the fans will boo the acclaimed or FTR. I just feel like best case scenario, neither crowd, neither team gets the reaction they would have gotten had you just put them against somebody that the fucking fans ate. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I don't know if people are looking at the, the classic face versus heel as outdated or basic, but the best way to get someone cheered is to have them hit someone that's getting booed. You know what I mean? There used to be heel turns or face turns where literally all you did, the character wouldn't change at all. But all of a sudden, he was now doing the same things he would do to people the fans didn't like. And so now they love them. I remember the Dudley boys, they were heels and it was the weirdest face turn I ever remember. Backstage, all of a sudden, Bubba Ray Dudley is obsessed with putting Stephanie McMahon through a table. And that was literally it. That was the face turn. He was putting women that they liked through tables a week ago, but now he wants to put Stephanie in. Yay, we love them. Yeah, man. It's tried and uh, true, man. It's tried and true. It's, um, the, I, I, you could pretty much say this about like almost every division when it comes to championships in AEW or like the AEW universe because you also have like the Ring of Honor titles. If you look at it, the, just the booking and like the storytelling of like every single championship, you could, you could probably make an issue about it. It's just not. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I still enjoy the product. I still enjoy the AEW product. Okay, like when it comes to a week to week basis, don't get me wrong. Monday Night Raw is really good, and SmackDown it's it's still a, a good show to watch. But like nothing brings like the excitement like when you when it's a Wednesday, you're like, okay, I'm about to watch Dynamite because it's so unpredictable at times, right? And and I, and it kind of makes you feel like a kid again. And I said this last week, like when you used to watch like the Monday Night Wars between Raw and Nitro. That's what that's the feeling Dynamite kind of gives you, like on Wednesday. But right. when you when we sit here and like us, what we do, we break shit down and we kind of analyze shit or whatever. It's kind of like some of the booking behind some of these things. It's like, man, it's it's unfortunate. And I don't know, man. Like I look at a team like FTR, and it's like your number one tag team of the year. They they hold three different tag titles, but what are they doing? Why wasn't FTR in a match on Wednesday? Right, like no, it, it just it makes no fucking sense to me. It, it really it really doesn't, and that goes to, to another issue on how Tony keeps fucking signing all these fucking people. And it's it's funny because every time something and MJF is actually the one who said it recently in an interview, but like every time somebody, whether it's Kenny Omega, CM Punk, the Young Bucks, somebody leaves, whether it's an injury, they leave the company, they get suspended, 
other people step up. There's always people waiting. It doesn't take long to fill these spots. So I do think there's something to be said from what Marco Stunt said not a long time ago, which is that Tony Khan is kind of addicted to the, the WWE names, addicted to the surprises, addicted to it like a drug where you bring somebody in and the crowd goes a buzz and then you bring someone else in. I was actually, I, I was wondering where the fuck Ruby Soho was. However, I realized that she oh, broke Ruby. her nose. My Ruby. And, I feel so bad for Ruby. Yeah, so I realized she's she's got to get surgery and so speedy recovery to her. Yep. Um, but I was saying that in response when I was like, it's crazy that like Tony Storm and Athena, this was during the match. I was like, crazy that these two might, you know, like Athena might become champion. Tony Storm is champion they both kind of just skipped Ruby Soho, huh? Like, remember when she was a big deal? Like, even before the injury, Ruby wasn't really being treated like a true big dealer contender. She was in a program, you know, ish, ish. Like, she didn't like the Jericho Appreciation Society. That was the program. But not Tony Storm, a contender, immediate contender. Athena, immediate contender. Soraya looks like she's going to be an immediate contender. Do you, so, you want to, yeah. um, I know you, because uh, you, you were there live there, so you yeah. have like a different experience than I do. Is there anything else you want to, before we get to the Soraya of it all, okay. do you want to touch on anything else with the claim and the, and the, and swerving our glory? Is there anything else you want to add on to that? I mean, that, 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 like I said, I just, I feel like this moment should have been saved, should have come from another team. I would have booked it completely differently from like right. months ago. With that said, there's no arguing that everybody showed up wanting. Like, this is why they came. Well, they wanted it all out because I was there for all out. And, and... Want, that's that's the thing, bro. They wanted it whenever it was going to happen. The acclaimed had not sniffed a championship mm -hmm. since since they really got over over as, like, baby faces. You right. know what I mean? Right, right, right. So, so, like, at this point, the fans were just waiting because essentially the acclaimed weren't really – Feuding with anyone? No, they they, they were feuding with the ass boys, and I feel like that that feud that. happened so quick because they were together one week, and then like they yeah. just broke up. And then after, and then they claimed won that feud, and then ass boys are now in this big heel stable. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so the acclaimed kind of were just traveling along, and unless you got another team, like you know what they were kind of just doing their thing, getting more over every week. Right? They were kind of like that attraction. People don't really care who they're facing. I just want to hear Platinum Max rap. I just want to scissor the random person next to me because Anthony Bowens told me to. I want to look at the old guy two rows in front. I want to call him daddy ass, and I want to throw my fingers right in. You know what only, I mean? Only in wrestling could we say, I want to scissor the person sitting next to me, and it would make sense. Credit to an amazing uh, wrestling promoter, uh, legend in the business, David Hero, on Twitter. He he wrote, and he's actually big good friends with Billy Gunn. But he's like, who? He's like, who would have thought that Billy Gunn would have two separate catchphrases in two separate decades that can get kids expelled from school? <laughs> pretty, and he's like, got two words for you: scissor me. Pretty funny. <laughs> Pretty fucking funny, bro. Oh, so but yeah, the crowd the crowd went crazy for the acclaim, went crazy for the pop. Um, I got a fun fact for you, and actually, you tell me if maybe I've just been sleeping under a rock and never noticed it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the acclaim's celebrating, obviously, and you know they go into commercial break. We're still watching the celebration, so we're talking at least three to five minutes of the acclaimed. You know, around the ring, in the ring, scissoring, celebrating, okay. hugging. Okay. 
you know, you got the theme song on loop. The theme song has lyrics. That just got added to it. That just, okay. And for the record, anyone who like just realized that there's, it is on Spotify. Because before it used to be an instrumental that used to just, just kept on going and going. Right. That just, it just added, it, you know, maybe within two weeks or so, give or take. Okay, so I, it looks like that would be my guess that that'll probably be the outro music mm-hmm. and then the intro, they'll still let him rap. They'll yeah, still yeah. play the instrumental. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't know that. So so I had... No, no, awesome. no. Listen, it's it's new, so it's not like you were sleeping under the rock or anything like that. No, that's right. it's brand new. But the, it's, it's not that I was surprised that I didn't know that they were playing it on TV or whatever. The fact that it's on Spotify and nobody, I didn't see anyone tweet about it, talk right. about it. That's right, right, right. Right. Normally, okay. Like I remember, he was holding out for a while. He's like, "I'll finally release my theme song." It was like a big deal when he finally <laughs> put it out. But yeah, I am. I I couldn't be happier for those guys. I think it wasn't an easy road for them. Like I like if you look at when AEW first became a thing, we it was being called the hub of like the best tag teams. You know, FTR yeah. quickly went in there. The Young Bucks started it. They were getting all these great tag the teams. The Lucha Brothers, the best friends. Um, yeah. The, you know, LAX, you know, Pride and Powerful when they were... Jack you know, Evans and Angelico. Yeah, Angelico, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, mm-hmm. so there was, you know, to, to think that Tony Khan was going to pluck two guys and just say, hey, I have an idea and just kind of put them together, that kind of all in and all is a disadvantage in itself. Granted, love the idea. Right. But then you take into the fact that on Anthony Bowen's side, I think everyone knew he was great in the ring, but often with great wrestlers in the ring, if, unless if they're not handed a microphone, people right. just assume, oh, they can't talk. I used, to see, this, to, I used to see this guy all the time at WrestlePro and Rawway at Rex Center. I used to always yeah. see this guy. And he always had a great look. Always had a great look, but like... You know, with independence, it's kind of hard depending on how an indie runs. You know, it's not really, uh, it's, there's no reality base, meaning like there's no really, it's it's very rare where you'll get like an in ring promo in like an indie right. show, right? But I used right. to see this guy all the time at WrestlePoint. I'm like, man, I'm, this guy has the perfect look. Like, why? Yeah. I'm sure eventually he's going to get signed somewhere. First, first Battle Club Pro Champion. Yeah, no, big, big fans of him. But I just remember, like, I just feel like all I ever heard people talk about was, Oh, he can't talk. He has no charisma. He can only work in the ring. But he does. He really does have charisma. Or they would focus on the fact that he was a gay wrestler. Right. And in in wrestling, unfortunately, the audience isn't always the most inclusive audience. Right. It's important. Yeah. That's um. When it comes to when it comes to that when it comes to the the you know the LGP. LGBTQ community and also even when it comes to like women's wrestling, which it's like. Sometimes wrestling fans are just very ignorant yeah. and they'll say foul shit, which is unfortunate. But this is like kind of the world that we still live in. Unfortunately, yeah. there's not. While there has been some progression in the wrestling community, there's still some people that are very, very close minded. And right. with a guy like Anthony Bowens, like, and listen, this is this is not and I mean this with no disrespect. But you look at Anthony Bowens, you see how he is in the ring or whatever. You wouldn't even think the guy's gay. You would think he's like a straight dude, especially the way he carries himself. Even, let's put it this way. Let's say we knew nothing about his personal life. Nothing about his personal life, okay? He does the gimmick. You know, scissor me, blah, blah, blah. I still wouldn't even think the man is... That all came from Max. That all came from Max. Right, but I still... You wouldn't think anything. You would just be like, oh, this is just a gimmick, right? right?" Exactly. But... But Yeah. And then when you throw in in Max uh, on the side, where A, him doing the rap thing, just people wouldn't even listen to him. They're just instantly, oh, John Cena ripoff. Right. Like, and I know because I post as many acclaimed freestyles on my page as possible, and 
it's kind of stopped recently ever since they really hit. Mm-hmm. But it used to be without fail. Just, oh, John Cena ripoff or Von Cena or all this ridiculous bullshit. So, and then not to mention the fact that we, you know, mentioned uh, Bowen's being gay. Uh, Caster, <laughs> Caster just leans into that with the milking and the scissoring and just like I, I almost feel like Caster is the ally that gay people have needed forever. Be, and like, even and even before uh, Billy Gunn became part of like this trio now, right? Even before yeah, that, yeah. I used to I used to always pop at every time. Uh, Bowens would just, you know, say like the acclaim have arrived, and the second he would scissor, he would do this like this face, like this like like he would just shake his head. And it just yeah. looked so funny, and it's like, man, this guy's like, I used to, this is like new to me because I used to see this guy at WrestlePro all the time, and like I didn't see that character development with them at, you know, these indies, which I get it, it's an indie, but now seeing it on TV, it's like they're allowed to like, hey, let me try this out, let me do this, let me do that, which it's like, even going back to like the claim when they first debuted as a tag team, like the first, you go back and you watch like the rap or whatever, you could tell how green they were as a unit. The funny thing is though, he had been rapping. And so I had actually seen a few of his, like, I forget the name of him, but he had a different stable. Uh, Bowens wasn't a part of it, obviously. They didn't really work together, but he had a different stable. And they would always, if he had a match coming up, an indie match, he would like make a music video about his opponent. And he would drop it. So this is kind of something he was doing. So I would, I'd kind of, someone put me onto him a little bit before he, AW grabbed him. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of more excited. Like I, I, I've always thought the whole rapping to the ring shouldn't just be John Cena's thing. Like John Cena's gone. He's not wrestling anymore. Right. If you've got a talented rapper who's wrestling and you've got plenty to choose from, if somebody is witty enough and clever enough and can do it properly, especially this time around because you think about it this way john cena as popular as his rapper humor was social media was like barely a thing bro to add to add on to that too i know everybody talks about john cena's like thugonomics era which because it was great he was great at what he did but if you look at it if you look at cena's career the hustle loyalty respect era of john cena the the color for t cena overshadows that thugonomics era by years years it's it's that the thugonomics was what got the people into him in the first place Mm -hmm. like he debuted got pushed nobody was really interested he makes a joke of himself with the vanilla ice thing and then then he's a heel kind of just rapping against people that they like and his job wasn't really to be impressive i remember rikishi beating him in a rap battle i think you know what i mean like they played off different things but then as i i I feel like it was a wrestlemania no 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 he was facing kurt angle but before that they had some fucking fan you remember this the fake fan outside it was on it aired on sunday night heat Okay. And they had okay. Big Ben rap against him. And then Cena does, does his thing. But then you can tell there's a moment where Cena continues freestyle and goes off the top and, and just does his own thing. And the fans who were booing him and didn't like him, he wins them over right then and there. And mm-hmm. that's like the beginning of it. And I don't even know what happened first, but there was like a WrestleMania where they had him rap against Jay-Z and Fabulous. Like for no reason like just those little moments where he was able they to were trying like, to get they were trying to get fab or Ho- or jay-z to be booked that mania and if things fell through but so cena still did the freestyle yeah 
Yeah, so Cena still did the freestyle. But yeah, that's what ended up happening. But yeah, man, uh, just just an amazing, amazing job by the acclaimed of just getting over and figuring out what worked and not listening to people who told them not to do this, not to do that. I, you can tell they are just their authentic selves. Max Caster is as weird as it fucking gets, and I love that shit. Mm -hmm. Like, fucking Anthony Bowens is just so fucking charismatic. Like I said, people didn't see it coming, but they are both just winners. I, I don't know how long... Billy Gunn stays with them. Right. Um, I mean, I love it. And the daddy ass is obviously super over. Of course. But I, I, I just, you, you kind of just wonder when, when he'll, he'll go somewhere. So let's talk about the Sarai of it all. And we're talking about Paige, formerly known as Paige. So we have this fatal four-way for the interim women's championship. We have Tony Stark defending that title against Athena, Britt Baker, and uh, Serena Deep. Okay. Now, I said it last week, just us getting this four-way to me is lazy booking. It's like another four-way of women, like no story, no nothing. And well, that's... you know the AEW hidden rule. You're only allowed one women's match a show. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. But um, so we get this four-way. Tony Storm goes over, okay? She picks up the win. We get this beat down. Britt Baker's a bloody mess, okay? Uh, we get Jamie Hayter come out. We're thinking we're going to see the turn yet. Nope, we're not getting the turn yet. Jamie Hayter. Britt Baker, still besties. We get the beat down, and then we hear some music that we never heard before. And out comes Paige, now Soraya, or what? You said that she corrected people online. What's it called? She, she just wrote the pronunciation in a tweet, I think. It's Soraya is, I believe, how you say her. Well, I'm going to still call her Soraya, okay? <laughs> I'm going to still call her Soraya. Um, and, we, yeah, we we now have this. We have Paige now in, in AW. And, listen, I think it's great. But is this really going to change the women's division and the way it's booked? No, absolutely not. I said it last week. What we need is we need a female in power to be booking the women's division. You know, maybe someone, once her impact deal is done, maybe someone like Mickey James booking the AEW women's division. We need someone. We need a female representation to book these women because the women's division, while they have a talented roster, and now with Soraya, you know, apparently she's going to wrestle. We're not sure what's the logistics behind that. I just hope that if she is going to wrestle, she's okay. That's my biggest concern. But just because she's part of this women's division doesn't mean it's going to fix the booking at all. Yeah, you have a lot of talented women right now. And it doesn't seem like there's enough space on a two-hour show for them. Um you know what I mean? The one-hour show Rampage is kind of Jade Cargill's house. And Which, I don't even get me started on that, bro. <laughs> what, you don't like Jade? No, I love Jade, but like... Oh, yeah. All right, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it to you. Jade beat Athena, a credible opponent, in yeah. four fucking minutes at yeah. All Out, okay? That should have easily been a 10-minute match. Easily. Then you have, you give, and listen, no disrespect to Diamante, because I think she's a very talented performer, but Diamante, which we don't see on a regular basis on AEW, she, why is she challenging Jade for the TBS championship? Why? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think I think the problem is, um, it's weird. You've got, they've got so many women that I think people look at them and like, this could be a world champion. This could be, you know, like the, these are some of the best women's wrestlers in the world with Jade's belt and also with with the way Jade is being presented 
maybe we need women on, and I, they're heels, so it wouldn't work right now, but like on an Anna J level, where if Anna J was to challenge for a championship like that, I don't think anyone would really have a problem with it. If Anna J was to get beaten four to seven minutes, I don't think anyone would really have a problem with it. You would probably see both women shining in that type of situation. Um, I think I think they they kind of need to. I per, I love Jade, and I I, I, think I love her. I think she's amazing. I, she's I, a, she has star written all. She is a star in my book. Okay, but you know, obviously, you have Trina fucking sharing the ring with her. So that was cool. You know, you have a stable, so she does get treated but like a star. The problem is. You gave her this accolade, you give her this championship, but like, I don't know, man. I, I'm just. Here's what I'm seeing. I don't think they've got the confidence in her that at this point you'd want them to have in her. And what I mean is when we started this with her, she was a project. They looked at her and they're like, she can be this. We just need to get her there. And so they portrayed her as the baddest bitch there was. And essentially that's the character she's been playing. But as she works with Brian Danielson and Serena Deeb and everyone else that they've got back there helping these wrestlers improve, she has gotten better. She, she has gotten more impressive. I truly granted it. And it's because of the way they're doing it, but I don't really see her botching much. I no. am constantly Pressed. She 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 delivers, but they haven't evolved. Their way of thinking hasn't evolved where they don't notice that she's gotten better and doesn't need to have four-minute matches, seven-minute matches. Maybe if you put her with a veteran like an Athena, like a Ruby, like a Tony, like a Madison Rain, these women can have 10-minute matches with her, can tell stories, can have true feuds where you get someone who's a believable challenger who could potentially take the belt. Not that I think we're there yet. She's still, what, 38-0, something like that. They're going to they're gonna take that as much as it can go. But until right now, it's like the rain hasn't really been impressive. She's impressive. Yes. She yes. is and it's just everything from the way she talks. The Tony cut the shit. The baddies and how over that was. And it's evolved into her having a little stable that's getting credit from some of the biggest names in hip-hop. And apparently reality TV. I don't really watch Love and Hip Hop, but apparently Trina's on that. That's awesome. I, yeah, I, know I think she's on there, rapper. too. I didn't I, know she was a reality TV star now. Yeah, I think she's on there. I think she's on Love and Hip Hop. I don't watch her either. But. I told you, bro. The challenge is my is my reality guilty pleasure. And if I ever need to turn my mind off, I'll tune on some Jersey Shore family vacation. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. It still holds up. That situation. It's, it's, fucking, it's, it's the funniest hilarious. thing in the world. Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the women's division, you know, they could bring someone like Soraya in. And I'm happy for her. I'm happy seeing her. I think she looks amazing. And I want her to be okay if she's going to wrestle again. But... That's not going to fix the booking, and that's the biggest problem when it comes to the women's division in AEW. It's it's awful. It's unfortunate. It's interesting to note is that the rumor, and this is what I've read, is that the rumor is that WWE had reached out, and Triple H-led WWE had reached out to Paige about her returning, and she chose to take Soraya to, or I'm sorry, I'm listening to you, Soraya, to <laughs> AEW. Congratulations, uh, you played yourself. That was it. That wasn't. That wasn't for you. That wasn't for you. That was for Sor Soraya. Because, man, I don't know, man. I, 
I don't want to. Maybe maybe that was a preempted congratulations. Okay. I was talking to Danielle about this, um, and and this is why I think because if you remember, and it's funny, everyone just assumes, oh, Triple H is the savior. Everyone loves Triple H. Everyone wants him to be their boss. He is, bro. He is, man. He is. But you remember Triple H made that. I thought it was just not. I thought it wasn't a funny joke because it just. Oh. It doesn't make sense. But he said something like, Paige probably has some kids that she doesn't even know about. And nobody responds. And then he actually had to say, oh funny. Like, and so, like, legit. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And this That's is a great callback. She's, she's injured. She's barely being paid to work. I think she might have been doing WWE backstage. Who knows what she was doing? But mm-hmm. this is Triple H. Wow. I forgot about that. Like, even my boss makes jokes about what happened. Wow. So, me. you know what? I kind of, so if anything, Soraya gave Triple H one of these. Congratulations. You played yourself. That's exactly. what she did. There you go. Right. There you go. Wow. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about right. that comment. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot about that comment. Yeah. So, like, I think it's interesting who think, you know, and, and tri- Bobby Fish, for instance. Bobby oh, Fish. I have this on my notes. Fast enough when Triple H took over. Bobby Fish sees himself as being viewed as a star in Triple H's eyes, whereas Tony Khan saw him as a small piece of a stable that I guess he didn't even think he needed. And now Bobby Fish is going to be a big fish in a small pond in Impact. <laughs> See what I you did? Think so? <laughs> he showed I up in Impact on Friday. Did he? Wait, Bobby Fish is in Impact now? Well, I don't know if he signed the deal, but he showed up on, on, on Friday because on Friday, well, I know everybody was talking about SmackDown and, and you had Rampage, the two-hour Rampage happening on Friday, right, which was taped. Over an Impact, they had, you know how they have, like, their Impact Plus, like, exclusive, like, shows? Well, they had one happening in, in Nashville, Victory Road, and Bobby Fish showed up. Maybe, maybe that's what. Maybe Bobby Fish is like, "Fuck this stable noise. I need to be a solo star. Impact might do that for me. Let me show people what I can do, and then see what the other companies have to say." Like Big Cass did. Yeah. Yeah. Morris. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Bobby Fish showed up in Impact, bro. Interesting. Yeah. Speaking of people showing up places, uh, I know I love how everyone convinced themselves that White Rabbit was showing up on SmackDown. Oh, you want to jump? You want to jump right ahead to that? Are we gonna? Are we? Are we listen, I got a lot of. Oh, I'm sorry, bro. I'm just all over the no, place. No, no, we could we could talk about the White Rabbit, but is there anything else you want to finish up with AEW? Like with when it comes to like Mox and Brian or or anything else that happened on on Rampage that you want to add on to that? Because I mean, you were there live. Yeah. No. I mean, shit, bro. The show the show was dope, man. Um... I thought it was Danielson's night, and and I I, I hate it. I feel like I'm, I'm constantly talking about the uh, the things that I would have changed and booking mistakes, but it was one. I, so having Moxley Danielson is one thing, and having Moxley be the guy to go over that's another. But one thing they were doing wrong, and I don't know if they showed it as much on TV as they were showing it to us on the screen, but MJF hanging out. They did. did they showed it on TV a lot. Yeah. They showed it way too fucking much. And I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world because now you're including a third person. He was all the way up in the nosebleeds. They should have showed him once and then after the match, another time and that's it. Yeah, like, I, I didn't even need to see him. But sure, one time, fine. But they kept showing him yep. to the point that, and keep in mind, we don't have play-by-play in our ears. So right. we're just constantly seeing it. So essentially what they're doing is they're trying to goad the audience 
into reacting to this man. And he was over like, like Glover. So they're cheering. Now you've got two of the best wrestlers in the world. Your two finalists. One of them is going to be your new champion, and you are making the fans chant the name of the number one heel. Is that is that what was happening in the in the in the stadium? Yeah, I mean the fans were firmly behind Brian Danielson. They wanted to the point where when they went back and forth with punches, it was boo when Moxley would punch, yay with Danielson. So the, the fans made up their mind. They that's to that's interesting fight. because on TV it came off a little bit more dueling and you didn't really hear MJF chants. So granted, I was in the nosebleeds and so maybe maybe what I heard was different. And also it's, it's Ash, Arthur Ashe, so noise travels differently there. Okay. Um, but in the, in the arena, and it wasn't the whole time, but there were moments of the match where people were chanting MJF. There were moments of the match where chants for Danielson were stopped because all of a sudden MJF shows up on screen and you're like, whoa, and they start cheering or whatever. Everyone in their mind was going to that show, bro, with the idea that MJF was going to challenge whoever won and leave his champion. Now, you would think that showing him in the nosebleeds would kind of assure you that that wasn't going to happen. But the fact that they kept showing him and the fact that MJF has a stable at his disposal, I truly do think a lot of the people were continuously convinced by AEW, that mm -hmm. that finish could still happen. That MJF was watching and laughing and all that shit because whoever won was going to get their ass kicked by the firm and then he was going to strut his ass down there and cash, in. And, and, and cash in. And Tony Khan has said already, yeah, it's not a cash in, but whenever he wants the match, I will sanction it. So it's a cash. It's a cash in. It's a cash in. Yeah. That's what everyone thought was going to happen. And so the, given the fact that with those three men, Moxley, your champion is by far the least over of the three. The fans are deciding and we have to boo one man of MJF, Brian Danielson and Moxley. We're booing John Moxley. You need someone backstage needs to realize that and say, stop showing MJF on screen. Let these two men in the ring do their job because Moxley's a pro. Moxley can get the fans back, and he did. He, he did. It was, it was a bit more split, but overall, the fans wanted Brian Danielson to mm -hmm. have his night. Mm -hmm. the, thing, the thing with Mox, too, and we've been saying this for weeks, man, Mox is just having such an incredible year this year, man. He really is, and while I get why a lot of people wanted Brian to go over and become champion— because ultimately we know MJF is going to win this title, okay? I oh, just yeah. feel like the right guy is Mox. If the original idea, if the original plan was for Punk to oh. drop the title to MJF, and now obviously we don't have that anymore, the second best guy is Moxley. Because so, uh, to me, I wouldn't want Brian to win the title just to have it for a month to drop it to MJF. That to me is just not good. I rather what I would rather see is. Once MJF wins the title, I think the way you go with MJF is you don't have MJF drop the title till you play the whole contract negotiation shit in story. You have MJF have that title to become the longest reigning AEW world champion. That's the story you tell MJF once he becomes champion. So you have him go through these. Because listen, when we don't think about MJF, we don't think of him as a wrestler. People think of him as the, 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 the talker that nobody could... 
Nobody could out-talk MJF, all right? That's how we look at him. But if you really look at MJF, he's not a bad wrestler. He can actually go in the ring. So you have him go through a series of matches defending these titles like guys like Heyman Page, like guys like Brian Danielson, like guys like Kenny Omega. That's the story you tell with MJF to ultimately, it's like, I'm going to take this title and go somewhere else with it. So you have Mox be the guy to drop that title, not Brian. I, I agree with that. Here's the problem. Um, and I think it's a big one. The fans are not booing MJF. Unless he's hitting Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone is MJF's kryptonite. Tony Schiavone versus MJF at All Out, baby. Wait, who, that was hilarious. <laughs> that Listen, was you don't put your hands on Tony Schiavone. Maybe Tony Khan, but not Tony Schiavone. Here's the thing, man. Like, MJF, sure, MJF can get a crowd to boo him. But if the fans are, if you have to do it every fucking time, if every single fucking Wednesday night this guy has to turn heel all over again because when he comes out, the fans are chanting his name and he has to call them fat, ugly virgins every he's gotta fucking do, He's got to do it, bro. Like, I'm, here's the thing, though. That won't work. For the championship match. He can turn heel every fucking week. But that match happens. A, I know it's MJF. But the truth is, let's be real, it's pay-per-views. They're not guaranteed to get promos from every wrestler before the match. A lot of times on the pay-per-views, it's kind of just go to the match. So even if he does, even if MJF comes out and tells everyone to fuck their mothers, still, that bell fucking rings and those fans... I don't care when it happened, where it happens, it could be in Ohio. Those fans are coming to see MJF become champion because fans have wanted to see it and known it was going to happen since MJF first joined AEW. Right. It was clear. You looked at him, those four pillars, whatever. Of those four pillars, MJF you saw as like the guy who was, this guy is going to be the champion. This guy's going to be the guy. They were comparing him to The Rock. They were comparing him to everyone. You know what I mean? Like, you you saw it. And ever since then, he's, I mean, it's sad to think about that the last match we saw him had before he disappeared. Actually, hold up. You talk. My planes are coming in front of me. If you could hear that. So the last match that we saw MJF in was against Warlow, where he completely just got destroyed by Warlow, which if you think about it, man, after that match, well, that whole weekend, right, because I was there in Vegas, that whole match and that weekend, like, that didn't do anything for Warlow to progress, if you think about it. Just due to, like, all the all the backstage shenanigans and we didn't know, like, there were so many question marks around MJF that if you go back, that should have been, like, Warlow's biggest achievement, right? Him defeating MJF. And ultimately, that necessarily didn't happen. Yeah, he ran through MJF, but, like, the outcome of that, people really didn't give a shit of him, Warlow defeating MJF. What people cared about was like what the fuck is going on with MJF? Now, I, I know uh, Brady, you had some, uh, you had to take care of something real quick. But like, what I will say is, yes, fans ultimately want MJF to win the world title. Here's another hot take too. I think MJF should have won the MLW world title when he was still in MLW. But that's another story for another day. Yes, people want MJF to win this AEW world champion. And listen, when he wins the title. People are going to cheer for him 1,000%. It's going to be a great moment. People are going to go nuts for him. But the story we're going to tell after that, trust and believe, people are going to start hating MJF once again as champion. It's going to – 
one thing that we've noticed, okay, when it comes to AEW World Title runs, for no matter who it is, whether it's Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, John Moxley, CM Punk, even though his title run didn't last a week, to uh, co- collectively, people get tired of it. And with MJF, people are going to get tired of MJF holding that title. And the story you tell to get him even more hated is you have him become the longest reigning AEW World Champion of all time. Listen, no matter how much heat, listen, he's going to get heat eventually. Maybe not in the beginning. Maybe not the first two, three months. But eventually people are going to get tired of MJF and having that world title. And you know what? Run with it. Run with it. MJF is a pro, man. He's going to get the fans to hate him again. It's the thing where it's just like, and, and, and as you were saying, that, that essentially that was the point I was trying to make where basically Wardlow is supposed to be made with that feud. And MJF did everything right. And then he cut that promo. And it's one of those things where, like, the things that happened backstage had to have been true because otherwise that made no fucking sense. Yep. You negated everything. MJF was supposed to put this man over. This man, Wardlow, was getting set up to be like the next Batista. He was supposed to. People were going to be asking, when is he challenging for the AEW championship? I'll even throw this in there. If CM Punk would have gotten hurt, I would have. I I'm almost willing to bet, and I, I know we can't do that now because high tight's 2020. But like, if if Punk would have gotten hurt and he wouldn't have vacant the title after that promo, I feel like that's where the mixed reactions for Punk would have started. I think they were already happening. I like. I'll be honest with you. I think the mixed reactions were happening when he feuded with Pet. But they weren't. But they weren't that aggressive, bro. They weren't that bro, aggressive that's at all. Because it's bro. Hangman. In my opinion, that whole promo hangman cut about Punk and, you know, nah. not being the way he is and yada yada, that was like going with the storyline that I was seeing. That was the natural narrative. To Brady, spin. I, 90% of the people saw it that way. Yeah. But then what did they do? And this is what I was talking about, how AEW is like in three fucking places. Because then as soon as the fucking reactions did happen, Punk was getting mixed reactions. People were turning on him because Hangman was their guy. Then they take us to fucking Chicago. It's what they do every fucking time. That's why they go to Chicago so much. So Punk can fucking be the hero. And, which and, is which is fucking mind-boggling to me because like I, and I mentioned this last week, so I won't go into detail. But oh, actually, I mentioned this two weeks ago. The funny thing about the whole you know CM Punk being you know Chicago's like hero and shit is like the irony is, you know who didn't do meet and greets at that fan fest for All Out? CM Punk. Yeah, he wasn't there. He wasn't there for Chicago. He was at home with his dog. Okay, he wasn't that. You know, he wasn't he wasn't doing meet and greets for. He wasn't being the hometown hero. You know who was. Doing mini greets, John Moxley, the the, the right. AEW World Champion. Okay, the the guy that should have never dropped the title to begin with. Never. This this is what I like about John Moxley. Um, He's a great guy. <laughs> and you can see it. You can see it. And we know, obviously, it's not a secret. He was supposed to go on vacation. Yeah, yeah. Real company guy. Yeah, but this, but that's what I'm saying. I think he's. This is what he's wanted. He's wanted a pro wrestling company. Um, to look at him as not even just the guy. The, the guy means different things to different people. A lot of people think John Cena, Roman Reigns, that whole never lose, always have championship, making the most money, that's the guy. That's not what it means to Moxley. What it means to Moxley is when your fucking champion gets hurt again and calls out every fucking uh, person with the company to the point that you've got a brawl happening with 
handicapped people and dogs and chairs being thrown, people getting bit. You, when your fucking company goes to shit, he's the guy you can call who will drop everything, tell his wife, I'm sorry, we'll have to reschedule, fucking give a speech to the locker room, do what he has to do, have the best matches of the night. Yep. Like he put the company on his back, not by himself, credit to Jericho and Danielson. Yep. Veterans who knew what the fuck the company needed better than anyone. 1,000%. 1,000%. That promo that Moxley cut after all the backstage shenanigans that happened at All Out, when he went out there in the ring and we got the little, you know, after the little face-off we got between him and MJF, that promo he cut, that's not only what the AEW locker room needed, but that's what also the AEW fan base needed. They needed that reassurance by a guy like John Moxley that – you know, he put over the locker room. He put over the championship. He put over the audience, both there in the live crowd and sitting at home. He 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 made everyone. He pretty much told every everyone everything's gonna be okay. And listen, I mean, regardless of how we feel about the booking direction when it comes to certain things, listen, Dynamite is still an enjoyable show. You know, yeah. the uh, you know the the dark cloud that was once backstage. Regardless of what side you want to be on or not or whatever, I think you know if you actually think with your head, you kind of see what 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 you know who's a toxic one in 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 which whichever side you think it is. But like that dark cloud's not there anymore, and guess what? Now morale is back up. People are, are right. giving rave reviews about these backstage meetings that are happening. Like we feel great that we have guys like a Moxie, like a Jericho, like a Danielson that. You know they're they're making everything okay again. Yeah, it was it was one of those things where I thought, like I said, the crowd was so heavy Danielson that I thought it was going to be his night. But the entire time, I'm also saying, I'm like, Danielson doesn't want to be champion. Danielson doesn't want to actually hold his fucking title. Danielson is fine being the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. Absolutely, one thousand percent. The belt, like he really doesn't. And if he does get the belt, it'll probably be because there's somebody he wants to put over, somebody really special mm-hmm. that he wants to be the guy to hand him the belt. Um, back to the best guy to drop it to MJF. I know, I know you think it should be Moxley, and I think that's a great story. It is. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to a Hangman dropping it to Moxley if he's still the heel. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, I, I do think MJF, he won't be babyface, but he's tweener for sure. Oh, and, absolutely. Absolutely. And, the, and, and, and now, like, he's really leaning into it by saying, my devil worshipers. I mean, he's going to continue to be a piece of shit, but let's be real. He's not stopping the crowd from cheering him anymore. And poor Wheeler Yuta, bro. Poor Wheeler Yuta. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Like- Seriously. But that was another thing where I'm just sitting there because I don't care. I know Wheeler Yuta's super over. He's been over ever since they did that program months ago. Dude, he, he's, 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 you know, he's, you can make the argument that he's the breakout star of the year. You can yeah, make that argument with Garcia, Wheeler Yuta. Him and Garcia, yeah, for sure. Him and Garcia, absolutely, 1,000%. But see, I think right now the way Daniel Garcia is ending the year mm-hmm. compared to Wheeler Yuta, Garcia might be upping it. If, if, if they keep stoking this whole you're a wrestler thing, like that's an amazing chant. Mm-hmm. The fact that that kind of just happened organic, where this guy gets in the ring and fans just chant, you're a wrestler. Yeah. Like that's an amazing chant. They need to, as soon as he finally does this thing with Jericho, the I'm a wrestler t-shirt, 
the I'm a wrestler Daniel Garcia t-shirt is gonna fucking outsell everything if they do that right. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wheeler Yuta, like, this is how they fucking kill shit though. AEW does all the time because they do because you're you're they're underestimating MJF's power right now. Wheeler Yuta doesn't compare. So yes, Wheeler Yuta and Wheeler Yuta looked like a bland bitch trying to go mic to mic with him. And I love Wheeler Yuta, but come on, few people can. Yuta, you ain't it, bro. Like, like, and so it that whole thing, all you did was make Morrissey look badass. You made Yuta look bad, and MJF they were, has worked. They were better off. What they were better off doing is not even promote that Wheeler Yuta was going to get on the mic. Promote that MJF was going to get interviewed by Tony Schiavone. And then that's when you had the part where MJF gets physical with Tony Schiavone. You have Wheeler Yuta make the save, and then you have Morrissey come in and attack Yuta. It would have came out way better on TV because the second Yuta just sniffed the microphone, like trying to go at MJF, the crowd's going to turn on you, bro. And it's not Yuta's fault. So i completely agree with you but because of this like i feel like and these are the things we're like and and that's perfect because that would have been timing wise like mm-hmm. they would have set it up where just as soon as mjf actually did make the fans not like um boom we are you as our hero right yeah, especially after atta- attacking tony shivani because you don't touch tony shivani right but <laughs> instead we're introduced to mjf when we're supposed to be excited here we're like it just didn't work no but 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 to my point I think this is going to continue. I think MJF is embracing it, and AEW has to embrace it. So here's who I have dropping it to MJF. And it won't happen, but this is who I would probably do it if I had to book it right now. I would have Moxley eventually drop the belt. Not now, but eventually drop the belt. Who I have him drop it to is the guy who would drop it to MJF. Who did Moxley win his first AEW championship from? Chris Jericho. That's who should take the so you saw that way so you want chris jericho to have two world titles baby well no at this point <laughs> he'll probably no nah, man three. put the put the other title on jericho too give me two title jericho because let me tell you something that would piss off the crowd so Dude, much and i am here for it listen i love the fact that jericho still pisses people off that i oh, love yeah. that i love that 1000 yeah. percent. and the it's fact so that he, and he's so fucking creative the ocho because i instantly when he said the ocho i think of the movie dodgeball <laughs> espn the ocho yeah espn the ocho <laughs> that's what i that's he what i think posted, yeah posted I, about that today. dude the, the, the guy is so fucking creative but why not put the other title on Right. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind if he did somehow hold the ROH title that long, but that's what I would do. Have Moxley eventually drop the title to Jericho. Once again, if Jericho has a stable, like it makes sense. It makes fucking sense. And it it, it kind of validates the firm, which, you know, these these guys, Moriarty, ass boys, this is still on the come up. You need stuff like that. So having Jericho become world champion again with another stable, it adds to his legacy. It reaffirms the firm. Wait, Jericho Appreciation Society. Why am I saying the firm? I'm confusing MJF with Jericho. Anyway, but so that's what Jericho. And so Jericho is Jericho Appreciation Society. Jericho is Sports Entertainer of the Year. MJF, when he did his pipe bomb promo, he did say, I'm the best wrestler in the world. Like, it is what it is. MJF is the best in the world at what he does. Someone, someone else used to say. So there's like, I, I personally think that's the story you tell. If the fans are going to cheer MJF, just stoke it. Give him a bigger piece of shit. 
And right now, that that is Chris Jericho. That is the leader of the sports entertainment fucking cult. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it, you know, what does he say? No, he doesn't say acknowledge us. What does he say? Appreciate us. Appreciate and he calls us. them the galaxy. Yeah, the yeah galaxy. man. And so then MJF could play with, like, and he's one of the few guys who can really go toe-to-toe with him on the mic and, and, improvise based on what the crowd's doing jericho if jericho wants the fans to boo him and cheer mjf he can do that yeah if jericho wants them both to get booed both like literally jericho fucking he's a master bro jericho's a fucking man and you can tell mjf learns from people like jericho 1000 percent, 1000 percent. so yeah even jericho jericho went on record i think he did it in the in the in the post uh all out scrum he said listen he told mjf you're gonna become the biggest baby face in this company and mjf was like no i don't want that he's like listen it's not it's not it's not on your control anymore yeah it's not you have no control anymore it's easy listen you're gonna become one of the biggest baby faces in the company and you you start seeing listen that that pro, the the night that Moxley cut that promo where he put everyone where he put the company over, that little bit that we got from MJF that was a little tease of how big of a babyface MJF could be while still being a condescending prick. Bro, that's what I'm saying. Like people are are not really MJF before turning before anything. MJF was able to make himself the babyface with a 12 minute promo. Mm-hmm. With CM Punk, the guy who calls himself the company's biggest baby face. Right. MJF turned Punk heel by himself, only to next week say, ha ha, gotcha fuckers. You don't think he can do that? Every- That's what I'm saying. He can do it every week. Right. Right now, we are in the midst of MJF being the flavor of the next five fucking years, man. Like, and, and I understand as you're saying, you're hot and you're cold. Eventually, people might get tired with it. I don't know, man, because MJF is like a Jericho. He can evolve. He can change. He feels the winds of change. To I, borrow a, I think MJF. I think MJF. While in it in the beginning, first couple of months, when he ultimately wins the world title, it's listen. He's gonna be white hot. People are gonna cheer for him even when he's being a prick. But I feel like eventually, especially on how the wrestling fan base is, specifically when it comes to AEW, I think MJF is so good at what he does. He'll eventually piss people off again where people ultimately hate him 1,000%. I got you. I just feel like it's such a big risk. Like, for example, let's say he does it with Moxley, right? Maybe the entire feud is like that. Fact of the matter is, I think at that pay-per-view match, the crowd will have paid their ticket to see MJF Absolutely. win. Listen, me, me and uh, me and, and Sam. Day, those moments, bro, right. they kill careers. So, and they make careers. So Sam and I, shout out to Sam, um, we're going to go to full gear. We're going to go to nice. full gear. And um, I, I fully expect... It to be a pro MJF crowd in Newark, New Jersey. Okay, like they're gonna if we get MJF and Mox at the pay per view, that's that's what you call it. That you know the the crowd is gonna lose their mind for MJF. Like I'm fully expecting that. Right. So I mean, it's just something. I get what you're saying, but I necessarily don't think it's a bad thing that people want to see MJF win this world title badly. Dude, I don't think that's a bad thing either. But unless if you don't lean into that, then it's a bad thing. If if for example, like I said, Moxley was not the crowd's choice against Danielson, right? Mox, they didn't want Moxley to win against Danielson. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You got two baby faces. But if it's Moxley versus MJF, and the fans aren't for Moxley, what does that 
do. Right. These, these moments really do carry over. They, they alter future reactions at future shows. It, it, it truly does carry over, and it just doesn't help. Wheeler Utah, if Wheeler Utah was to face MJF as a grudge match next Wednesday, right. it would do horrible things for oh, absolutely. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Listen, we got Wheeler Utah and MJF next week on Dynamite. People are going to boo the shit out of Wheeler Utah. Exactly. Unless unless Tony gets a punch to the face first. And on top of that, on top of that, <laughs> on top of that, perception is reality, right? So, like, people that were watching Dynamite this past week that weren't there live at the show, they saw Wheeler Yuta get booed. They're like, no, everyone's cheering MJF. So then it's yeah. like, now nah, if it would have been booked differently where Wheeler Yuta was making the save, then maybe it would have been more of a right. 50-50 you know, you're always going to have people cheering for MJF, but then you probably would have people cheering for Wheeler Yuta because he made the save. But instead, we didn't get that. So perception is reality. People are going to just right. boo Wheeler Yuta next week if we end up getting this match. Right. So so I just feel like like same with acclaimed winning the titles from Swerve and Our Glory, who I, I feel like their baby face tag team run is essentially over. And I, as you said, I, I love the Shaq Kobe story. They might continue it for a little bit, but I feel like the split's going to happen sooner than later. Right. Swerve will go heel. Keith will stay baby. And, and, and that's how they'll do things where there was more to do, but that's getting cut short because of what you did here. So I just feel like with MJF, if the crowd's going to fucking cheer. You have to make it okay. For example, WWE, remember when Bobby Lashley was going to become champion? They got the belt on Miz. Yeah. For yeah. like a day. It was. Why? I, I think it was like may. I think it was like maybe two weeks tops. I think if I'm not mistaken. Something mistake. like that. Yeah. yeah. And why? Because they knew Bobby Lashley was going to get cheered for this mm -hmm. for for multiple reasons. And so listen, he got cheered even as a heel. He got cheered against Drew McIntyre at Ra WrestleMania later. Because remember that was the right. first WrestleMania with fans back in the right. in the stand. And listen, Lashley as a heel got a nice pop. No, because well, because Lashley and the Hurt business were starting to get over yeah. just because people loved it, and people mm -hmm. were like, "Yo, this is what we've been waiting for." Oh my God, Lashley's actually going to be champion. This is crazy. Like, yeah. what? They're going to have all the gold. Shelton said, and like, wow. So everyone was just on board with it, and WWE leaned in, and then they gave it to the Miz. They made Wiz detestable. Remember that entire night was just built around Miz being a, a white, a limey, shiesty yeah. heel building up because they're like lash is going to get cheered let's not jeopardize a babyface push let's not hurt a babyface champion by having it end that way let's just get it on miz get miz boo get lashley cheered and then we can figure out what they want to do with it now ultimately what they wanted to do was act like that shit never happened make lashley heel get rid of the hurt business and start from fucking scratch but that moment they did that moment right man Man, remember the hurt business <laughs> yeah. shit. So like AEW is about moments, and you have to be strategic with it. Yeah. For the big ones, let's get a baby face against a heel, man. Get you got to get the hated versus the loved. It's classic. It's tried and true. Yeah, I agree one thousand percent. I do. Let's uh let's transition a little bit. I do want to spend some time on the White Rabbit thing, but before we get to that, Triple H made. A great announcement earlier this week, and that's that War Games is going to be part of Survivor Series, and I, War Games. and I think this is awesome, bro. I think this is, um, yo, Triple H. I know we were uh, kind of giving Triple H shit with the whole um, Sarai of it all, the Sarai of it all, but man, yo, Triple H, this this realm that we're in when it comes to WWE, man. Listen, it, it's been such a joy to watch, bro. No, he's killing it. I I think. 
It's not perfect, but it's been great to watch. No, no, no. I do think, and I don't want to take anything away. I don't want this to sound like I'm not giving him his flowers. I am. With that said, if you think about how many things there were to complain about, how many things WWE did wrong, and we're not even talking about the booking. We're just talking about people they let go where you're kind of like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And all Triple H did was say, yeah, come on back, come on back. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So these are these are big moves. I, I, so I feel like in terms of his first couple of months, he had a bit of an easier time than anyone else because of how fucking stupid they were before he got in there. You know what I mean? And and if the White Rabbit is, we'll get to it, I'm not rushing, but if he is who we think he is, mm-hmm. once again, this is just a mistake that never should have been made, and now Triple H gets to right the ship. Now, with that said, he's killing it. You notice... Um, a lot more wrestling. Yes, on the shows now. The matches are getting a lot Listen, more. Listen, Monday Night Raw is actually enjoyable to watch for three hours now. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's making those three hours work with with twenty minute matches here, good segments here, another twenty minute. See, he's they're 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 the changes that are being made are chances changes we've wanted yeah. for a while. Or see, but he is not perfect. No, and mm-hmm. we're not going to agree with him on everything. Nope. And, and so certain things you're going to eventually, as I said, eventually once there's no more people to bring back that WWE fired without him and all the things like that, eventually we're just going to kind of settle in and realize the good things about Triple H booking and the bad things. Mm-hmm. One bad thing, in my opinion, is the Liv Morgan situation. I, it, the, the, she's the one person who has been completely botched, in my opinion, from the second he walked in. His first pay-per-view was the disastrous Ronda Rousey tap-out at 2.5 finish. Her push has been derailed ever since, and it unfortunately seems like they're going to double down and give Rousey her belt back, I think. It seems that way. And and I don't want it to happen. I hope it doesn't I, happen, especially the spot that Liv Morgan did this past week on SmackDown. The 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 the, the, the fucking center. I'm like, no, don't take the title away from her. <laughs> right, like you and, and the fans are behind her. She has done a great job of winning them back. Yes, botched it. Yes. Like, she got over on her own. WWE fucked it up. She's had to make excuses for the fucking fans turning on her ever since by saying, well, I let them down, this, that. You know, and now the fans are back with her. She, she's done a great job. But they're about to pull that no, fucking plug. No, <laughs> And then what? Then what do you do? Like, then what? Where does she go from there? So, so I can't ignore that. That shit pisses me off. Triple H and Shawn Michaels are returning to television for a DX reunion, which will probably be fun-y-ish. I don't know, man. Like, I love DX, but, like, what? Why? We saw Shawn Michaels on TV a few days ago. Nobody's shutting up about Triple H. You guys aren't special attractions. We fucking see you whenever the fuck we want to see you. You know what I mean? Like... So maybe they get beat beat down by like Judgment Day or something. I don't know. I mean, my guess is Judgment Day gets involved and maybe Edge returns. Who knows? Like, like to save them, like maybe Rey Mysterio. But are these guys really getting bumps? Didn't Triple H like he originally quit because of his heart, right? Like, I don't want to see this guy get beat up. Uh, 
I mean, Shawn Michaels, they want to kick him in the face, sure. Like, <laughs> Shawn Michaels, I'm sure, is fine. He can take a bump or two. But, like, Triple H has heart issues. Like, I don't want to see either of these old-ass men telling people to suck it, throwing fucking... Maybe they could do something like, um, do you remember when the authority was a still a thing? And remember, they did this thing where the authority was holding down Edge, and he, like, I think it was Seth Rollins was telling John Cena to, like... Remember, maybe right. they could kill do something him. like, yeah... Yeah, he could do something like that with Triple H. Maybe they could do something like that with Triple H. Just a just a wild guess. Just a wild guess. Maybe Judgment Day tries to get DX to join. <laughs> like fuck DX, join us. We've got two words for you. Join us. Oh, how about this? Maybe they do something like that where they try to beat down and then AJ Styles comes out and tries right. to make the AJ, save. AJ, the too and sweet. And the too sweet. Okay, we get the too sweet. That's the two. That's it. They, they, you know, it won't be DX. It'll be DX, but eventually it'll just be the click. That's what it is. The click, the click shows up. Fucking. <laughs> 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 Yo, speaking of the Judgment Day, can we talk about fucking the heat? The heat Domin- that Dominic was getting on Monday? Listen, man, I talked about this last week. Thanks, bro. I talked about this last week, and... I've really been enjoying Judgment Day now. I've really been enjoying the Dominic and Rhea Ripley of it all. Okay, Rhea Ripley is the star. She's the MVP, shining star. Rhea Rhea Ripley is like the Dom of Dom. Yeah, I, I like that. I like what you did there. She okay. is kind of. It's funny we we're talking about DX. She is kind of like the China. We haven't really seen a woman be the muscle of a guy's stable since China in DX. So I've been doing, I, I don't know if, if you've noticed, but like on the Lucha uh, Outsiders Instagram stories, I've been doing, um, last two weeks specifically, I've been doing, I've been posting a picture of Rhea whispering in Dom's ear, and I was like, caption this. And some of the captions that I've been getting is just fucking hysterical. But it's like, they're not even like, they're not even, WWE is purposely doing this because they want, people to think like what is really going on here between dom and Rhea, like with like some of the poppy lines and now it's like even mommy lines like they're playing into it they're playing into it yeah they're playing into it which i necessarily don't think it's a bad thing like i, I, I look really- at da- i look at damian priest and finn balor and they're becoming more seconds to the judgment day storyline because like time. i feel like the judgment day storyline now revolves around Dominic and Rhea. And you know what it is. There's going to be a lot of things we can, uh, you know, that we'll say these guys remind us of. Um, you know, the, the China one is there. There's also China and Eddie. Yeah, especially so, now so, with Don with the mullet. And he's even doing characteristics of, yeah. like, of Eddie and, in the ring. And if you recall, the Radicals were a heel stable China turned heel to join Eddie, but eventually the, the Perry Saturn and Malenko were kind of just the radicals tag team. Chris Benoit was the silent killer. And you had Eddie and China really exploding with their characters with the Mamacita, the mm-hmm. Latino heat, yep. to the point where Eddie and China were baby faces. And then eventually Eddie had to turn heel and do his thing. But like, <laughs> so so maybe that's kind of what we're seeing, similar to the radicals, where but but I, I don't want it to sound like like they are taking a back seat in a, in a bitch because Dominic and Rhea are the ones exploding with everything Rhea's doing and Dom's kind of leading into it. But I can't say enough about 
the work all four days. Oh, no, absolutely. 1,000%. 1,000%. Because the heat was coming in good. And I, I knew they improvised. I they improvised. They, well, they stoked the flames mm -hmm. because the heat wasn't like that before they started talking, before they started saying, hey, Dom's trying to speak, give, you know, it's, it's okay, Z, it's okay, mate, ignore him. Like, and then, and like, then Dom, um, Priest really was like, you sure, this is Dominic Mysterio, you sit down, you shut up, you show him respect. And, and by that point, boom. And then even Rhea telling Dominic, say it louder for the people in the back. For the people in the cheap seats. Yep. And I love the best that in that moment, and this is why I give credit to them all, Dom didn't repeat himself. No. He just kept going. He said, he, I think the line was something like, I'm here with my real family. Mm -hmm. And then the judgment day. Like, like mm -hmm. he just, I thought, and I knew he was going to get flack from the online warriors, by the way. The internet warriors. I saw the trolls coming a mile away where they were just going to oh. say, it's goodbye heat. Ah, he doesn't up. deserve it. I saw people insulting his voice, like he needs to work on his voice, bro. That's how the asshole. That's how he talks, asshole. Like, I didn't mean to call Dom an asshole on that one. I got no, carried away. No, I get what you're saying, but that's that's and listen, the, the, we could that just could lead to but also. Like, I do. I disagree because I thought, but yeah, he's, he doesn't have the deepest voice. It is what it is. I think but he did well. I, yeah, I think he did well. Was spot on. They gave him little to work with. Right. He's being right. One thousand percent. But, but yeah, but I thought it was great where he had a little bit to do. The fans were giving him the heat they should have given him and the judgment they were there to make them go more. And they created a big moment for Dom and this new heel turn that he's embarking on. And they created a moment for the Judgment Day, a stable that really, the argument could be made, they have yet to get started. Because this was Edge's stable. Finn took it over, didn't change the name. They've done really nothing but harass Mysterio since. So, <laughs> but now, but now in recent weeks, well, I'll say since Triple H took over and started like you know like tying up some loose ends from like Vince's booking, and now you know now taking over like the creative Judgment Day feels like a, a legit thing now. It doesn't feel yeah. like something that's going to be a flop. No, now it feels like something. Now no. there's substance there. They, they now they bring Dominic into the to the the fold. So I like where this is going. I can't wait to. They further tell the story of the eventual Dom versus Ray at some point that we're going to get. Um, I don't think we should get it right away, but eventually, yeah. I feel like whether it's at the Rumble, you plant some seeds, maybe a Royal Rumble elimination leading into a Mania match. I think that's the way to go. But uh, I do like the storytelling of Judgment Day overall. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I agree. I don't think the match should happen soon. I think it would almost be better if Judgment Day kind of just moved on to a different feud. Yep. I mean, we see AJ joining. I almost just feel like that is just going to be another tag partner for Mysterio to take on the Judgment Day. But I'd rather see like the Judgment Day move on to someone different, let Ray kind of go his own separate ways. But every once in a while, a backstage segment where we just see the hurt in Ray's eyes or, or Ray, you know, passes Dominic. And as, and I'm hoping Dominic gets more comfortable, we're going to see things where Dominic gives like a cocky smile to Ray and says, good match tonight, old man, mm -hmm. after Ray loses or something. And it'll just, you know, little, little pepper in, pepper in, salt and pepper it in until eventually, who knows, man, maybe they want to hold off till mania, the two Mysterios. That's what, that's what I would do. I would definitely do that. All right. Yeah. Let's, um, let's talk about the white rabbit of it all. And we'll, you know, okay. we'll, we'll wrap it up with this. All right. 
before we before we get Wait, started. Wait, there's one thing I want to talk about before. In okay. addition to white rapping, okay, I mean, okay. we got to talk about Sami Zayn. Oh, oh my God, bro. That's l- listen, listen. That's my favorite thing that's happening in wrestling right now. Right, the Sami Zayn right. bloodline like, story. Like, no, 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 dude. I love this shit so much because Sami Zayn is just a national treasure. All right, Bruh. his chemistry, his on-camera chemistry individually, which each Uso and Roman, and, and it's just amazing. And I just love the storytelling of how, for now, okay, because eventually I think we know where this is going to go. But for now, how. Everyone embraces Sammy. They're giving Sammy like an honorary Ooze shirt, and Jay wants nothing to do with it. Like he's just he just hates Sammy Zayn so fucking much. But everyone accepts him, even mm-hmm. at Roman, fucking Sola Sokoa, Jimmy Uso, and and Sammy have their own handshake. Like everybody's embracing Sammy except Jay. Like I just love the layers of that. It's just it's so good. It's it's just amazing. And I said this on a post yesterday. Whenever we get the ultimate turn, where the bloodline does turn on Sammy, Sammy's going to become the biggest babyface in the company, hands uh-huh. down, 1,000%. Because people are already cheering for him now. Right, right. And it's like it doesn't, and it's like Sammy can do no wrong now. And he's been over like Rover for a while now. The dances he does in the background. So like, good. I mean, so just, good. Just, he comes behind and just throws the ones up. He. he Everything it's, he does is funny. It's so ridiculous, but the handshake. So, it's so ridiculous, but so good. Just him throwing up the one in the background. It's yes. it's ridiculous, but it's so good. Yes, and and even just the little things. Like I remember um, the in, the first time I think we saw Sammy pose with them, and they allowed it to happen was the time where they were beating up Drew together. And just the way Roman reacts to Sammy, where like he looks at him, he's like, "Oh yeah, you want to get some too? Go ahead." He just smiles <laughs> and watches it. Like, "Go ahead, yeah, yeah, hit him, yeah." Like, like Sammy abuses Roman Reigns. I think everyone remembers, like when you were coming up and you were like maybe in a squad of guys. There's the younger person or the smaller person who kind of you know he's like, "Yeah." There's I always do it that too. one like, one friend or like one like, "Man, get your ass out of here!" That always wants to be down. You always wanted to hang out with Cha, and it's like, man, get out of here. <laughs> and and usually, like for for me at least, usually it was always like a younger kid who mm-hmm. just wanted to hang out with like the older kids on the block and shit. And so it's like, all right, you know, come with us, whatever, like a little scrappy do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And so Sami Zayn is essentially that, and it's and it's as to to what you said, where the individual relationships, and it's so, him and Solo is quickly becoming my favorite, just because. You, I think we all kind of expected, oh, Solo's here. This might be the beginning of the end of the Sammy story. No, but he's embracing him. Like, I think, I think um, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if it was last week on SmackDown or this week, where Solo tells Sammy, Sammy, last you coming? Week. Sammy, last you coming? Like, Solo's like, em- really, he's embracing Sammy. Like, like Sammy, you coming? Like, like and Jay's just, Jay's just looking <laughs> in the background like, Fuck, I believe man. Jay Uso had cost Sami Zayn the match, mm-hmm. like by by you know he was he was at the wrong place, you know he right, fucked right, right. up, and so Solo was like, Nah, Jay, you ain't on your game tonight, <laughs> Sammy, you coming? And it was just and so like and that was when it started with Solo and Sammy, and now we're seeing Solo kick ass for Sammy the other day, like Solo is almost Sammy's muscle. It's so I good. Almost, it's so good, bro. Yeah, and like you didn't see it coming because you're thinking, oh, Solo's taking Sammy's spot. When Solo made his debut, Sammy tweeted something like, yes, so happy the bloodline is full, but let's not kick anyone out or something like that. He right, tweeted right. something silly. So it's it's so cool to see the different angles 
Jimmy Uso, I almost feel like they had him like Sammy just because Jimmy was unable to hold character when Sammy like Jimmy was gonna yes, be laughing. That's anyway. what it is. That's what it is. That's what that's exactly what it is. One thousand so percent. They just went with it, and like mm-hmm. Jay kind of looks meaner when he's trying to not yeah, laugh. Like right. he kind of has a mean face that he puts uh-huh. on. So he's like, "All right, let's just go with that." Jay hates him. Jimmy, you're smiling ass over. You might, you might as well have you love him. They got they got a fucking handshake, and it's like <laughs> the handshake is awesome. What I so we have to see that you know since the bloodline right, they're five. Okay, they're five. It's five of them. You got to think they got to be part of this War Games match coming in Survivor Series, right? And then Roman doesn't wrestle. Roman, they would just represent him. No, you have Roman in the match, but you just have Roman not get pinned. You have Sammy the so one. So it would be pinned. five on five. Yes, at at War Games, you so have a you have a super team like a Kevin Owens, a Drew McIntyre, uh, maybe even a Seth Rollins since he's getting mixed reactions. Um, Seth Rollins has hinted multiple times he wants Roman Reigns titles. So you have KO, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre. Sheamus maybe goes in there. Who? Sheamus. Oh, Sheamus. Sheamus and another guy, and then someone else. I I, I kind of wish, and I hate that's what I hate about this whole Logan Paul shit. But maybe they do it at Royal Rumble. Um, but Sheamus to me should challenge, and I know logistically it doesn't make sense because if you're losing to the Intercontinental Champion, why are you getting a World Championship uh, title shot? I get it. You can win but, like a number one contendership match you, or yeah, something. Exactly. You can be a number one contender battle royal. Or, or you can or, have Tony, or you can have Tony Khan book it and just throw him in the match. Right. <laughs> but I just feel like with Sheamus, the fact that him and his brutes, brawling brutes, are now over as baby faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, he seems like the most credible. And he's gotten over solely because fans are being reminded of how fucking good he is. Right. And how good he's been. Mm-hmm. And kind of an uncelebrated hero. So now he's over like Rover. He's got a stable that yep. can combat the bloodline. Yep. To me, it makes sense. Do I expect Sheamus to be the guy? Of course not. But the feud mm-hmm. and the match would be exciting. Absolutely. 1,000%. 1,000%. I think at I this point at, th- at this point in the stage when it comes to Roman Reigns, especially when it comes to these matches, it's not necessarily like, okay, is this individual going to be Roman Reigns? It's going to be like, no, how good is the match going to be? So, yeah. And, and that's why and that's, Sheamus is putting on some of the best matches there is. Yeah, him, Sheamus, and Roman, Sheamus and Roman is going to be completely different from their match they had, what, 2016, I want to say, 2017? It's yeah. going to be way different. It's not going right. to be the same thing. And it, it, would be, it would be one of those matches where, like, <laughs> if they wanted to do it, and I know it hasn't really been the Roman Reigns match style recently, he racks them and stacks them, you know. But if they would like to tell the story of Sheamus taking Roman to that limit. Yes. Where Roman's almost yep. afterwards staring at him like, really? You're still going. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. let's be real. Yeah. A Samoan and an Irishman walk into a bar. What happens? The fucking bar gets burnt down. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, 1,000%. Like that's what we should be seeing. 1,000%. From these two stables. I like that. I like that. I do like the Sheamus and Roman program. I think that there's something there. There's definitely something there. Back to that Sami Zayn segment, though, just to the last thing. The segment was perfect. Amazing. Like, best thing, the perfect. best thing that happened on SmackDown was that. But, like, not even Smack. I'm talking about I, this might have been one of my favorite segments of, the, like, the year. I would have to go back and watch yeah. other segments. It was really but just good. The way, it, the way it was from start to finish, from Roman Reigns, just slowly, like, what do you, like, why are you following us around? Like, mm-hmm. asking the question that nobody else has asked. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? 
Sami Zayn looking like he just kicked his fucking dog. And, and Jimmy rips the shirt. Take it off. off Jay. Jay. Uh, yeah, Jay, Jay, Jay takes Jay. off the takes the shirt off like from Sammy, just rips it off like, yeah. take it off. The, take the, it. Yeah. Did you notice that he and waited then, like, for Roman Reigns to say? Sold it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sammy sold it so perfectly, <laughs> like sold it so well. Paul Heyman, if you watch him, yeah, he's like mm-hmm. got his hand down, like he knows he's about to see someone get murdered. A lot of people really thought this is it. They're finally getting rid of Sammy. We don't want to happen, but we know it's going to happen. So when? And they're playing with us. And then the the bait and switch to the T-shirt, it almost makes you think like, damn, is Roman Reigns baby face now? What the fuck's going on? Like, shit. And then, and then the even even just the subtleties of Sami Zayn after acknowledging a tribal chief. Hugs him. You saw Roman's face? Roman's face? (laughs) He's like, what? Okay, okay, come on, Sammy, it's all right. And actually, hugs him back, and the crowd popped. Oh the my hug god, back. it was it was so good, bro. It was just so good, and I just love. It just cracks me up every time just seeing his interactions with everyone in the blonde line, and then just Jay is just like, "Fuck you, man!" Like Jay wants nothing to do with Sammy, nothing with him. It's it, it it gives me so many stories that I'm just so enthralled in with one with one thing. And it and it's so funny when you think back to Roman Reigns beginning as the tribal chief, it started with him and Jay. Really. Yes. Yep. So so really Jay's story and Jay's evolution mm-hmm. has just been phenomenal. And that's got a, a lot of credit goes to Roman for uh, there was an an interesting um uh, like a uh, fact that I read, I think it was like yesterday, or late last night, that when the we got you know the Shield debut or whatever, Roman's first pinfall loss was because of Jay. Jay pinned him. That's fucking funny. When, this That's was the, funny. this was around the time that when the Usos were shooting with right, the Shield for the tag Usos, titles. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Jay right. pinned Maybe. Roman in a match. So funny that Roman got pinned and not Steph, because back then the rumor was always they always had Roman yeah. picked as the guy. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh it's very very interesting, bro. It's very interesting this bloodline story. But um, well that's great. Okay, let's talk about something else that has everyone fucking going nuts, losing their fucking minds. Okay, and that's, that's this right, and that's this white rabbit, uh, story teaser, whatever you want to call it. Now, for anyone that thought that we were gonna get the reveal. This past week on SmackDown, Me. you get the biggest. Me. Congratulations. Yeah. You played yourself. 923. Why would you think that we were going to get the reveal on a random SmackDown just because we got the date 923? Hey, spoiler alert. We're not going to get the reveal on Monday Night Raw either, okay? So if you also, think that's going to happen. Congratulations. Like, and also, they're not gonna, like, this was the first. It was the beginning. Like this was the first package. This was the first thing other than the the, uh, the, live the white house show. Yeah. Yep. 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 Playing yep. of the song. So this was like the beginning. You really think they're just gonna tell you? Yeah, we're getting it in four days. Get the fuck out of here. Also, they were smart enough. The nine twenty three was a time, not a date. Yeah. It wasn't nine slash twenty three. It was nine colon twenty three or semicolon, whichever one. Fuck off. The first one. <laughs> so then it's <laughs> like, and 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 nine twenty three is when. The code came, so it's like there were so many reasons for you to temper your expectations. You you should have known we were gonna get another tease. I think, I think a lot of people they're so they're just so quick, and and I saw this a lot too. Um, 
you know, with the whole right, right rabbit of it all. Uh, people are just so quick that they just want to be the first to, you know, post like, oh, my God, did you see this and do that? Oh, right. it's like, listen, don't get me wrong. This is it's, I, I'm intrigued by it. I'm excited. And I think ultimately the feel is that it's going to lead to a Bray Wyatt return. But can we this is one of those things that it's like. Let the story play out. This is actually where you could actually say that, and it, 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 it means something. Let the story yeah. play out. We're not going to get the reveal tomorrow night. If you, if you thought that we were going to get the reveal on Friday Night SmackDown, you're a fucking moron. We're right. not going to get him on a random Raw and SmackDown. That's not going to happen. Okay? At this point, I'm hoping we get an Extreme Rules. Yeah, there's a, um, a lot of people were pointing out um, during the graphic of Extreme Rules, there's like a right. lantern. That listen, that could just be uh, an Easter egg, okay? That could be anything. I mean, what, it would be great. Don't get me wrong, but that could just be an Easter egg. Listen, right. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to prolong this till Survivor Series. Yeah, it's possible. And guess what? Every single week, you're gonna get these fucking peckerheads like, oh, we're gonna get the reveal on Raw. Oh, we're gonna get the <laughs> reveal on SmackDown. It's it's one of those things where like I know it's unfortunate because you watch Raw and SmackDown, you want to convince yourself it could happen. Mm -hmm. You never know. Triple H is running things. It could happen. It, but if in fact it is Bray Wyatt, then get your popcorn ready because we're watching a movie. Like the, the, Bray Wyatt is such a creative dude. Okay, yeah. we're gonna we're not gonna get the Fiend. We're not gonna get the Eater of Worlds. Bray Wyatt. This is gonna be a new representation a new presentation yeah. of bray wyatt because that's how creative he is let let's enjoy this instead of fucking like oh my god we're gonna get him on monday night raw right. why would you want him on a random raw and smackdown no you want him to, when he makes his ultimate return let's let's make it mean something like yeah. let's make it fucking matter like listen this is coming from a creative mind and if he Let's say he did sign a new deal and he's back with WWE, which I truly believe that's what we're getting. Trust and believe he's getting full creative control, and we're not going to see him re-debut on a random Raw at SmackDown just because the clues say that we're going to get something on a specific date. Right. I mean, I'll say this. If it's not Bray Wyatt... We all get one of these. And what happened to my computer? No, I didn't touch it. Congratulations. You played yourself. There you go. <laughs> So if it's not Bray Wyatt, that's probably the only way we do get it early. Because at that point, like if, if, if they're reading online, right. at this point, anyone who thought it was White, uh, White Rabbit carrying Cross, you probably said goodbye to that. Because let's be real, carrying Cross is he, on TV. Yeah, he's on TV. It would make no sense for him to introduce a different character. No way. It's the just only like way carrying Cross returns to the White Rabbit is if... Bray Wyatt's putting together a stable. I saw something with like yeah. Bray Wyatt's characters come Scarlet, to Scarlet, fucking uh, De Dexter Loomis, and I forget who. Yes, uh, yeah. uh, Braun Strowman. Yeah. I think it's cool in theory. I don't think it's happening, but I think it's cool. They've always wanted those characters to come to life. The fans. It would have been. It would have been cool if like the Firefly Funhouse and the Fiend was still a thing. You get what I'm saying? Like, if that right. was still a thing, like, let's say Bray Wyatt never got, like, released or anything like that. Like, if that was still a thing, like, still kept going, and then we see these characters come to life, then that would have been a cool visual to watch. But not now. Like, it's... Yeah. Here's I, I, the only thing I am worried about, and I feel like this is the problem with almost every Bray Wyatt run. For some reason, I feel like they always try to make him as a heel work. And maybe that's just because his character is a bit darker and all this stuff. And maybe it's just because of how that's how his mind works. His mind is like 
from a heel perspective, at least it's easy to write from, perhaps. It's hard to um, boo Bray, man. It's very hard to boo Bray. Boo Bray. Like, you can't – it's kind of – you got to kind of have them, like – you kind of got to book Bray, at least when it comes to character-wise. You kind of got to book Bray, like, whoever wants to cheer for him, cheers for him. Whoever wants to boo him, boo him. Because it's like he's such a creative mind. It's like, how can you boo this guy? Like, right. I've been a so Bray Wyatt fan – Going back to like you know his debut with this you know like the the whole you know the the Wyatt family like yeah. I just been I think he's just the man and unfortunately due, due to booking that's done some damage to him where he always has to reinvent himself which it's like think about it like this imagine if he did get good booking like maybe he would still be in WWE like he would have never gotten released and we would have gotten like the many faces of Bray well because this is what happens they book him as a heel. But he's so cool, and he's creative, and he's different, and the fans always, like, even when he was the Bray Wyatt, and they had the, the Wyatt family, it didn't take long for the fans to get behind that. The fans were salivating for Wyatt Family Shield, and that shit barely, like, they barely gave it to us. Like, I remember they gave it to us. Wasn't it like Seth Rollins left them? And it was just weird. But, like... They wanted that shit, and this is when the sh like the Wyatt family just became like this cool thing. The fans just wanted to ride with, but they never really pulled the trigger on a true face turn that would just make them the coolest fucking stable that we'd ever seen. And they just kept trying to make something work, and then he had to reinvent himself, and it was the same fucking thing over again. Bray took like, a lot of unnecessary losses too. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you need to kind of just lean into what he is. He's a cool, badass, creative motherfucker who can go in the ring. He is impressive in ways that most people aren't and haven't even seen before. So just let him create, let him orchestrate, let him tell stories every way he knows how. And but expect the fact that the fans are going to be so excited. Oh, to see my him. God. You gotta be faced for at least the first six months. Like, just imagine whenever we get the reveal, and it is Bray Wyatt or whatever, we kind of get, like, a little... Because, like, even with the Fiend introduction, we had, like, the lantern still, but it was, like, Bray Wyatt's face on it, right? What if right. we get, like, a little sprinkle of, like, every version of Bray, and when we ultimately get, the like, the return, you hear, like, some weird noise or whatever with this new presentation of Bray, and you just hear him, like, I'm back. And, you know, lights go out or whatever it is. Like, we see we're some here. shit like that. Or instead of saying we're here, he just says, I'm back. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, the crowd could, like, the crowd will lose their fucking minds when that happens. Yeah. It, it'll be. It, 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 what I'm trying to for figure out is like, okay, the white rabbit is like the key to this. So are we getting, like, a Mad Hatter, Bray? Like, we kind of seen hints in the past, but is that kind of what he leans Maybe into? is Rambling Rabbit bringing him back from the dead. Ooh, that was his buddy. And Rambling Rabbit always did come back from the dead. And now he's bringing Bray Wyatt back from the dead. But it's like, as you said, like, he might just completely do something new. Where... But So even look at the look at the Fiend and, the, the and Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt, right? Like... While that was different versions of Bray, they still played to Eater of Worlds right. Bray. You get right. what I'm saying? They still acknowledge that that was right. And, and to me, the way you book Bray, the best way to book Bray is you don't ignore the past. And when it comes to a time where you have to bring back a familiar face, you don't have to do it all the time. 
But when you have to go back to an old version of yourself, I think that makes for a great story. As long as it doesn't happen frequently. They've been talking more and more and more. And it was before this even started. So it kind of seemed like they were talking more about Alexa Bliss's twisted past. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just seemed like they were talking about it because, well, she's pretty stagnant. So maybe they'd be switching something up with her. Listen, Bailey and Alexa's match this past week, the lights went out at one point. The lights went out, right. So I'm kind of hoping we get more Alexa teases Mm -hmm. because I think they both – could use each other. I think Bray's going to be fine no matter what. Oh, Bray will be fine as long as they book him correctly, which I feel like this is the safe bet that we are going to get that with Triple H in the realm. Right. I mean, everyone, once again, everyone kind of assumes Triple H will be the best case because he Bray started out in NXT and, mm-hmm. and you kind of just assume Triple H won't be able to deny creativity. Sometimes the things Triple H says in interviews will make me like raise my eyebrows. Like we'll say just things about, you know, when you're working with some creative people, you get pulled back and it's right. just kind of like, ah, you know. So you like you never know. Maybe Triple H and Bray don't see eye to eye. And 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 then there's that. Like you you know, like I said, with it's just you never know what side of the coin someone's on when it comes to Triple H. There's plenty of people Triple H didn't like that we did. So he's not always going to be on the right side of our version, our the way we see history, but he proved everything that's happened so far. I'm I'm so, holding out hope that if no, Bray Wyatt too. if Bray Wyatt did ultimately sign a new deal with WWE, he has creative control because I feel like he has to have some, at least some creative control, like a good portion of creative control. That's I what know, I would think. Control, but I do feel like there were probably some assurances. Yes. You know, I feel like with most p- people, you go back to a previous employer, whether they whether they fired you or whether you left. If you have complaints, if you have grievances, if there are concerns, those are normally broached and addressed during negotiation. So I have to assume that at the very least, Triple H heard his thoughts, heard his viewpoints and decided, okay, we can make this work. Also, case in point, it didn't really look like Bray Wyatt is someone they had to worry about going to AEW or really anywhere other than perhaps Hollywood. You know, we had heard of him doing horror things like writing movies or books or stuff like that um, and working with the guy who made his mask on other things. So, like... It didn't seem like Bray was going to be doing wrestling if not for WWE. So all Triple H really had to decide was, you know what? All right, let's get him back in time for a mania push. Let's let's do it. Listen, Bray Wyatt wouldn't work anywhere else besides WWE. That's that's the place that he needs to be at. I listen, AEW. No, I, I did not want to see Bray Wyatt in AEW. I didn't want to see a. I didn't want to see Bray Wyatt anywhere else besides going back to WWE. That's it. I kind of wanted to see Bray in Hollywood, if I'm being completely well, honest. Well, yeah, Hollywood's a different like, story. I really did want to see Hollywood him is a different story. Hollywood is not a wrestling promotion. But, like, yes, I, I would love to see, to see him involved in some type of, like, filmmaking just to see. Because his mind is so creative. There's Bro, so many creative like, juices this, happening there. Like, I can only imagine what kind of, like, horror film he could do. Or, like, even, like, a, like, like a horror, or like a horror, like, series or something. Like, yeah. I feel like he's that creative. No, he could be like the Rob Zombie of this generation. One thousand like Netflix series or a streaming series, six to eight episodes of just in break. He could. He doesn't even have to be fucking. Um, 
episodic where they like uh, they connect. He could do like his own version of like the Twilight verse. Yeah, just yeah. short stories. Yeah, yeah. You know, if anyone watched uh, the last season of Atlanta, mm-hmm. like those anthology episodes, you give Bray Wyatt like an anthology series. I feel bro, like, like I feel like how I feel like Bray and I, I don't know this, but like obviously he's a fan of like horror films or whatever. I feel like Bray Wyatt probably like watched like you ever watched like the VHS series. There's this horror series that it's called VHS. Look that up. It's very, okay. it's very, very dark, and I can see Bray being into that type of shit. Like that's how, yeah. Bray White's such a creative dude, but um, I'm looking forward to it, and I really, really hope it's him. And I'm almost positive it is Bray White, but um, it's it would probably be you. You look at the landscape. It's probably the last big surprise yeah. Triple H would have in his in yeah. his deck. They they said the Thanos, the rings. This is right. the last stone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is the last one before Triple H just snaps. Yeah, yeah, one thousand percent. I dude, uh, I do want to mention two la- two quick things real quick. Uh, so New Japan had a show earlier this morning, and we got um Hukuleo finally turning on Bullet Club. He reunited with Tamatanga, which was dope. It was a dope moment. The Japanese Very crowd cool. fucking popped, and I think this happened. Listen, Tongue and I know everybody talks about Samoan family, but the Tongan family is also like a big family as well, especially when it comes to the wrestling. It would not shock me if Tama Tonga and company looked at like what's going on with the bloodline and was like, you know what? Maybe we could do something similar out here in New Japan. We're bringing Hukuleo now to the fold with reuniting with Tama Tonga and Tungaloa and him turning on Bullet Club. And then also, aren't they technically a member of the bloodline as well? Like, I don't think, I, I don't know if by blood, or at least Tama anyway, but his, um, who's his, who, who's his, their dad or uncle? Haku, uh, Haku, Ming. And he's related to Rikishi, no? I think they're, but see, the thing with like, the thing with that, they might be. I don't fucking know. Like we gotta we gotta look down at the tree, at the family tree, because it's, it's so many things. But like I know they listen. Everyone calls each other ooze. Like technically, Sami Zayn is now a fucking t- t- Samoan. So it's that's right, that's right. So I so when I saw that, when I saw while I thought it was a great moment. I'm like they're smart because they see the success of like the bloodline. They probably want to get like a version of that with the Tongans over in New Japan, and then also. So, I'm sorry. I think Haku might be the Rock's uncle. Huh. Is that a thing? Possibly. Maybe. Okay. So if that's the case, that would be how they'd be they'd okay. be in there. So I the so that's what I thought that and then Will Ospreay and fucking David Finley put on a fucking banger of a main event. And you know, we, we spoke about how John Moxley having a fucking amazing year. Listen, Will Ospreay's right there too. Will Ospreay, man, this guy is just such an amazing talent, bro. And he's another one that you can make the art man as wrestler of the year. That's how good Will Ospreay is and yeah, I just wanted to mention that real quick before we wrapped up. Definitely, no, no, no. That that uh, I I I enjoyed uh, Hikaleo turning on Jay White. That yeah. was that was cool. I it was one of those things where like I did see it coming, but it was still cool. It was yeah. very well executed. Yep. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where they take that family connection now mm-hmm. that Hikaleo has gone back to the good side. Yeah. It still hurts me that Bad Luck Fale and Tamatonga aren't together anymore. Right. That's the one that I'm like, man, if anything, you would think Bad Luck Fale would be with them. But who knows? Maybe this leads to maybe. something. Maybe now right. that Hukulel turned, maybe that starts opening Bad Luck Fale's eyes and be like, you know what? Maybe I should be with 
with my brothers. You know what I'm saying? With the, with right. the guys I, I started up with, you know? So who knows? We'll see how that story uh, progresses. I think that's it. I think we covered everything, guys. Yeah. Uh, Brady, thank you so much for doing this, bro. You, you know, for, for uh, you know, doing this audible, man. Uh, Ryan couldn't make it. Thanks for filling in, bro. I really appreciate it, man. Hey, bro. Say less, man. Always happy to fill in. Always happy to be here with the Lucha Outsider, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Uh, give me your plugs in. You know what it is? At the Heel Marks, guys. You can follow us everywhere we do what we do. Hope you love it, too. Leo. LosRadio.com. I'm mad that you just pressed the button, just said that, and then you turned it off right away. Well, because I got Roman here. You want to hear him say da-da? Da-da. Okay. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> the worst part, Brady, this kid's 12. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can follow me at Rated R since 87. Make sure you follow us at Lucha Outsiders everywhere Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you miss anything or everything on today's episode, make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast version of the show iTunes, SoundCloud, UMB Fancy, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, La Mescla, LosRadio.com, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast needs. That is it, and I don't have the outro. <laughs> Do you want me to just I'm hit seven. something over here? All right. With that being said, for the, for the old man Leo. Yeah. For Brady from the Heel Mark. For Ryan yeah. Radar that's not here. Ryan Radar. I'm yours truly Mr. Radar. Until next time, keep it right Stay too sweet. He's fat. Oh, my God. My dad is actually fat. Say hello, Roma. <laughs>